0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. I'm your host, Sam Fain, joined this week by the tournament master, Todd Jerschel, and the one and only Mike Molesky. Mike, how are you? I am fantastic and
1: thrilled to be here, Sam.
0: We're thrilled to have you with us. The trio is here. Our trios Woo-hoo. team is ready to go. We'll be challenging for those AEW trios titles as soon as they introduce them. Uh, Todd, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Great to have a
2: very energetic mic with us tonight. I like that. So... Uh... Happy to uh, continue the March tournament theme a little bit tonight.
0: Yeah, we we you know we got a lot to talk about. It's funny earlier I was thinking to myself I was like oh, I don't know if we have a lot to talk about, and you know then I realized we do have a lot to talk about. So uh, let's just dive right in. Um, Teasers, of course, continue to be in full swing. And last Wednesday, we got another indies teaser, and that is for Fifty One Fifty. Super excited to have these guys joining us in the game. Um, I think that you know we've talked about obviously having Hernandez in the game and the opportunity to you know create that original version of LAX with him and and Homicide, and, and of course already having Conan in the game. There's lots of options uh, there. But now the opportunity to you know bring Slice Boogie and Dan Danny Limelight, Danny Rivera, you know, we, he requested Limelight on the card. So um, that's what we're going with. But uh, great team. And they've had a, a really nice uh, feud with the Von Erics. So, you know, fits perfectly uh, with their set mates there. And, um, yeah, I think that they're, you know, they're an interesting team because you've got, you know, Limelight, who, who's who got the kind of the, the high flying technical kind of indie style, if you will. Um, and then you've got Slice Boogie, who's much more of a brawler. Uh, and and I think that, you know, they're a great combination and they'll match up well with the other teams uh, in the set. Uh, Todd, what are your thoughts on, on the pair of uh, pair of them?
2: Oh, no, definitely glad uh, that we got them uh, as part of that. Uh, you know, just another again a uh, little bit of arrivals for the Von Erichs as well, which is nice. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, to just you know, up until recently, uh, MLW Tag Champs. I think they they just dropped
0: the belts there recently. They did, yeah. <laughs>
2: figure we put them out and they lose them right away you know that's that's what happens right <laughs> what
0: are you gonna do right I mean that's that is that is the way that is the way although hey you know I mean Jetta regained her title shortly after so maybe yeah, they'll, just just maybe they'll before be I was that. able to yeah. I was
2: gonna give you crap about that on one of the podcasts she wins it back so I couldn't give you crap about putting the uh, title on the card but you know
0: what you that's do? right that's right yeah uh so speaking of which pro wrestling you had a uh, great show uh this past weekend um I was not able to to see it all unfortunately so I, I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but um, they've got another show coming up in a few weeks. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're able to uh, check them out, they've got their own streaming service, and of course, they've got their YouTube um, pay site as well, which uh, just punched my microphone uh it's okay we were just trying
1: to go for the sound effects now uh, yeah yeah
0: exactly um but uh yeah so uh, obviously there's so much to watch and 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 we're going to talk a little bit about that later but um we'll go ahead and jump right to the next indie announcement which will be coming um tomorrow Yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, and that is none other than Shelly Martinez uh, in, in Indies Prime. Uh, super excited to have her join the game. Um, she's worked for WWE, um, you know, with the ECW brand. She's worked for TNA. Uh, and she was valet for the original version of LAX, uh, Homicide and Hernandez. So ties in really nicely, uh, really nicely there. Uh, she's done a lot of other stuff as well. Um, I, I'm not super familiar with her to be completely honest with you I like I remember her a little bit um, but I don't necessarily you know recall everything that she did so it'll be it'll be interesting to uh, learn a little bit more about her uh, through through the game uh, Todd do you want to talk about Shelly at all
2: Uh, No, uh, cool to have a you know valet. Definitely big tie to Hernandez there, so we thought it was the right time to to put her in there. Uh, She will have wrestling stats, not not quite strongest stats in the world, which kind of I think fits her fits her role in there. But uh, I think you know definitely uh, a a good good addition to the game, and I think you know we'll round out the three pack that we have planned here uh, pretty well.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I think uh you know, it is worth saying there are, there are some other wrestlers that she had been a valet for in her time and perhaps maybe we'll see one of those wrestlers. I mean, there's there's quite a few, so you know. And um of course we've got a black and white Matt Matt Striker card already. Um and uh she she was a valet for uh for him for a while with uh with a certain stable uh in that ECW brand that WWE tried to do once upon a time. Uh, so. I, I might have to, I might have to get the muzzle out if we're not careful here soon. It might. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, he, he can't get the muzzle because he's frozen. Oh, oh he's unfrozen. Okay, good. I'm unfrozen. I'm back.
1: I'll, don't worry about that. Whether I'm frozen or not, the muzzle works. The muzzle always works. <laughs>
0: um, and then uh, we'll go over to the latest announcement for Kronos Return to Civilization, and that is it's payback time. Payback has been secretly planning a major move for years, and now everything is revealed in Kronos Return to Civilization. Where has payback been? Which super team has payback been plotting again? which wrestler has been a secret spy on Kronos for payback and which two Titans from dimension K is payback bringing with him to the fight. It's time to get extreme. The hardcore Titans versus the Hitman for hire in the war on Kronos is here. Um, I'm stoked for this. Uh, Payback's going to be a part of promoter prime um, for COTG. I, you know, a huge fan obviously of, of payback as a character and looking forward to, um, you know, i i already know but but i'm looking forward to see what everybody else thinks uh (laughs) uh, about who he's bringing with him and and what's going on with payback mike thoughts on payback
1: well i mean i've known kind of what was going on with payback for a while now so it's good to just sort of see him out in the open and, and we get to to talk about him i think he's uh obviously you know a unique character you know the original sort of um hardcore Titan that we got to meet, uh, um, you know, based sort of inspired by, I guess, the, the cyclone art that Chuck Carter did at Galactic Con, um, you know, payback, you know, was, came into uh, being, and I think has been an awesome character. Um, I know he's one that uh, Rob always kind of enjoyed using, and I think he likes being able to use him in a different way here and, and sort of re, uh, repurposed, uh, this character for for this storyline, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot
0: of fun. Yes, yeah, I, I totally agree. And like I said, I think people are going to be really uh, really interested um, with with what's going on with with payback. I love the artwork too, by the way. I mean, worth mentioning that um, you know Warner's artwork for for payback uh, looks great. Um, it's a nice. It's a little it's
2: reminiscent nice. of another piece of art we've seen once upon a time. I'll say.
0: Uh, oh yeah. You think so? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, any uh, besides the art, any other thoughts, uh, Todd, from you on uh, on good old payback here?
2: Uh, yeah, I loved having uh, you know payback in the GWF. Always a fun card to use. Like tons of offense and like you know crazy crazy token counts you'd always get with him there. So I, I think it really fits in with the with the Kronos and you know really I think that that uh, the the Kraken team, um, you know, was pretty big there, and and now having like a big Titan team to go up against, I think uh, will be uh, will be very welcomed in Kronos.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do, uh, do, do you think Payback may have had the highest like tokens per match count combined? You know, like any match he was in the inner
2: turmoil, turmoil, maybe, 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 yeah. maybe, maybe
1: that's true. Um, but but you know, just to me, he had it was like every match he was in it felt like it was going to be like multi tokens for both guys there was like oh, yeah. to walk out of there with less than 4 tokens apiece was like a that was like a,
0: a squash match of some yeah. kind, right? Yeah, no. Whenever Payback stepped through the ropes, there, you know, you could just say there will be blood. Uh, if you, you know, if you use your token counts to determine if somebody was bleeding, uh, when, when Payback was 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 in the ring, uh, it, it was bound to happen. Um, which I certainly, you know, I I enjoy a little bit of bloodletting now and then, especially when it's imaginary. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, it, it'll be cool to see the stats that Rob's cooked up for him um and uh, hopefully we'll get to we'll get to talk to Rob about that uh, on a future episode um and then uh for the Legends side of things we had the announcement for Billy Wicks uh which was fitting considering that we had announced Sputnik Monroe as the pre-order um uh, character for uh, the pre-order announcement, and um, you know, for those that that don't know, that haven't had a chance to to you know read the website write up, uh, you know, Billy was Sputnik's main rival during kind of their their heyday, um, and they once. Um, it set the attendance record for Memphis, uh, and not just not just for wrestling, but just uh, you know the most people that ever attended event. They they actually beat Elvis uh, in 1959, and it stood until the late 90s when Raw came to town and um, was able to break the record, uh, which is which is a pretty great feat. Uh, Rocky Marciano was the referee for that match. There was a Cadillac on the line in addition to the to the belt, and uh, they, they had an incredible feud. And one of the things that uh, I, I loved learning about their feud in That we kind of had talked about uh, not that I had any input on this whatsoever but um, with this set uh, sort of focusing on guys that um, were important in the genesis of television the advent of television uh, for wrestling and uh, initially I I was kind of like well gosh I don't know if Sputnik and Billy really qualify for that and I was completely wrong little did I know that their feud was almost entirely the product of television spots and promos and interviews and it was incredibly innovative for its time um, it was not something that had been done, especially in Memphis, um, before. And uh, it, it, you know, hearing about the way that they played one another, uh, played against one another on TV for a TV audience, and, and had the help from the announcers as well, uh, was fascinating to me because it was something again that had just never been done before, especially in that territory. Um, but uh, I, I'm thrilled to, to have Billy in the game, and um, and and you know what? It it's story time with Sam Fain. Baby. Uh, and uh, that is because we had talked uh, a while back about some guys that were tailor made for that Memphis set that weren't going to be in the Memphis set. Um, you know, Dutch Mantel came along and, you know, some guys got pushed out. And our dear friend Travis Heckel already kind of spoiled half of this story on the message boards uh, that Sputnik was, of course, originally supposed to be in the Memphis set, as was Billy. And things happened and that was, you know, no longer possible because of the numbers of people that were in the set. And luckily, the legends team and mike had the wonderful idea of course to put sputnik and billy into this set because um, they fit so well with you know the era and the theme of this set as well um The second part of the story is that when I found out that Sputnik had been signed, my first question was, do we have Billy Wicks? And when the response was no, I didn't want to step on any toes. I'd never like gone after a legend before. I'd only, you know, looked after indie guys and, 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 and gals before. And so I asked, can I, you know, try and find him? Uh, I mean, I knew he had passed, but could I try and find a contact for him? And, uh, Mike was like, go for it. And I was like, all right. Uh, and it was not easy because uh, there's not a lot of information out there on him. There's not a you know, social media page for Billy Wicks or his family or anything like that. Uh, I had talked with Mark James and I asked Mark, you know, do you know if Billy has any family? Uh, and his response is, I know he had a daughter at one point, but I don't know anything about her. So I just kind of used all of my meager investigative skills uh, and found an article that had been published in a North Carolina newspaper. Um, and the author of the article noted uh, at the beginning of the article that she had a personal stake in the story because her husband had been friends with Billy and been trained by Billy. So I reached out to her and I said, hey, this is what we do. you know." And she said, you need to talk to my husband. He's the guy that would be able to help you out. Um, so I reached out to her husband. I didn't th- hear anything back. I found another student of Billy's and I reached out to him and that student immediately responded with saying like, yeah, you need to go find John. And so I, you know, I knew that this was the guy that I had to find. So I waited patiently. He sent another email back to me. Uh, he mentioned, you know, that yes, he knew Billy's daughter. He was in contact with her. And the next thing I knew, I was getting a Facebook message from Billy's daughter saying, you have my approval, do it, you know, do whatever you want to do. And uh, I was just thrilled because I think that, uh, you know, you can absolutely have Sputnik without Billy and it would still be an amazing get for the game. But there was a big part of me that just felt like, you can't have Sputnik without Billy. And and Billy is is one of those guys that is enormously underrated. Um, you know, there are a lot of people out there, I, I mentioned this in the write up that I did for the website, that put him on par with a guy like Luthez. And the reason why nobody knows that is because he never really went anywhere else except for, you know, like Memphis, Alabama, you know, that that area. So, um, so I, I'm, just, I'm just super thrilled to have him in the game. Uh, he was you know, just this incredible white meat, baby face, good-looking, you know, clean-cut, technical wrestler. Um, and uh, e- even you know, after wrestling, went on to a career in law enforcement before becoming a catch wrestling teacher. Um, so uh, just, just incredible, and, and I'm thrilled that I got to play a small part in, in bringing him to, to the game. Um, Mike, thoughts on Billy Wicks?
1: Well, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll scratch out the small part in bringing Billy Wicks to the game. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that happened because you made it happen. And, you know, you know, some call it investigation, some call it stalking. But whatever it was, <laughs> you did a great job. Um, you know, I, I think, look, he's a great name that isn't known to most of our fans. But I think that's one of the great things about, you know, the way Legends game has gone is that, Yes, you know, some of these big, you know, names, Luthez, you know, Randy Savage, like those are names that sell like that hook new fans on the game. But I think one of the great things I love about our fans is that they're in many cases just as excited for names they don't know until so they can learn more about them. You know, most of our fans are, 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 you know, sort of students of the history of wrestling. They may not know everything, but they want to know. And, and I think that that's one of the cool things. Is here you have a guy who, you know, again with Sputnik Monroe, the two of them sold out arenas, and you know were a huge deal. And that's it's and and they weren't in Madison Square Garden. They weren't in L.A. You know, like it doesn't. So they weren't necessarily on either coast when they did it. So it didn't make you know the history books quite the same. But right. I think um, I think that these guys uh, were great. I think that, you know, Billy Wicks is somebody who I'm looking forward to. And he's the kind of wrestler who can fit into a Fed. You know, I mean, just if you need a white, you know, meat, baby face kind of character, there you go. You have that guy. You can drop him in and he'll he could fill that role. So I, th- I think that um, just a great signing, great, um, uh, great name and, and and great work by you.
0: Oh, thank you. I, 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 it was, I, you know, it's one of those things. It was important to me and, 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 you know, from that historical perspective. And, you know, there are a couple of other people that I've that I've looked into and completely struck out on. So I'm, I'm just glad that this one this one worked out.
1: <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm glad I didn't have the muzzle out for you now. This is good. This, we've we we've, we've come back the other way. This is good. You can talk about this. I appreciate that.
0: Um, (laughs) You know, and the funny thing is, is that it was difficult to get in touch with this former student who actually now runs Billy's school. Um, You know, it was literally a case of like I sent him an email. I waited a few days. I sent another email. I waited a week. Expected I wouldn't hear back. Got the email back. You know, and then and then and pretty much immediately then got the message from his daughter, and and then you know responded to both of them thanking them and then haven't heard anything from them since sent them the artwork, sent them the write-up, you know, the whole that yards crickets. So it's, it, you know, it's kind of, it's one of those interesting situations, but I, I, I ultimately am just thankful for the fact that, you know, the, the important step occurred and uh, you know, if, if we're, if we're ever able to, to, to thank them again or, or you know, do something for them, obviously we'd be happy to, but um, it's just funny the way that it works out sometimes where, you, you know uh, you, sometimes you, hear from people again and again and again, and they become these excellent contacts to have, you know, like Jerry Briscoe for instance, or something. And then other times it's literally like a message is exchanged. They give their, you know, they're okay. And then never the twain shall meet. Um, <laughs> Todd, what are your thoughts on Billy? Um,
2: yeah, obviously a name I never knew until a couple of years ago, but then once hearing, you know, the whole Sputnik story and, and everything with Billy, I mean, I agree. It just, you know, someone that, yeah, maybe not as necessary, you know, but really kind of helps round out the set and really gives that giving that rival to Sputnik is just just key. Uh, to really bring home the this whole story there, so I mean, kudos again, kudos to you, Sam, for making that happen. Um, and yeah, just really, I think it's really cool to have this rivalry as part of the game there. Really, to, to uh, it's just a testament, just just uh, you know, just teaching the history of wrestling uh, to to you know our fan base, which is which is which is great.
0: Yes, I I totally agree. And I, you know, that, that history aspect is something that, you know, we've talked about before and it's always been something that's important to me and, and, and something that I've learned a lot from the game. And, you know, there's some guys that I didn't know anything about now that are, you know, some of my favorite guys. Um, So, uh, I, I, I hope that that can happen here. I know on the boards that, you know, that there was like uh, a good measure of excitement over the announcement. And then there were also some people that didn't really know anything about him, you know, and it was, and it was my pleasure to just be able to say, check this article out, you know, watch this documentary, you know, do this because You know the wonderful thing is is that he he takes uh, pretty much center stage in the Memphis Heat documentary. Um, I, I would say you hear from him, Sputnik, and Jackie Fargo, probably the most. Out of mm-hmm. the well, Bill Dundee is in it quite a bit as well. I mean, Lawler's in it, it's interesting. Lawler's in it, but he's not actually in it as much as those other guys are. Um, hmm. you know, and then Rocky Johnson obviously is, is is in it a bit, but um, but yeah, I mean, the stories that he tells in that documentary, and then there's some wonderful interviews and, and other articles on, uh, on him uh, on the internet that can be found, but um. Yeah, I, I think one of the other cool things about this, and you know, Travis and I talked about this briefly, is that uh, it's almost like getting like a, a booster pack for Memphis. You know, it's like we had this awesome Memphis <laughs> set that came out in December, and now here we are getting these two Memphis icons as well. So uh, it, it plays well into that. And then, of course, as other people have mentioned, Billy fits so well into a Fed, especially if you're you know if you're doing like a vintage Fed, even you know he'll fit really well with those vintage guys and using those vintage charts. Um, and and it'll, it'll be cool to see. I haven't seen the stats, so I don't know. I could be talking out my ass on that one. But, uh, but uh, I, yeah, I, I'm really excited about no, it. Don't, don't stop now,
1: Sam. Well,
2: yeah. <laughs> <not right. laughs> uh, so. need, a, need a catch wrestling championship of some type now. I'm thinking, yeah. uh, bringing a bunch of these guys
0: there. You really know, cool a little birdie told me once upon a time that they had been working on some pure wrestling rules for uh you know for a future ROH set which is you know we know obviously is not going to happen now but uh it would be it would be pretty cool you know given given the chance to maybe include those in in a ringside companion volume 2 perhaps i don't know i don't
2: know perhaps perhaps
0: i don't know to make, make that, that happen, happen. <laughs> um so exciting times uh lots of really cool teasers lots of great uh, announcements both on the indies uh, and cotg side and the legend side uh and i'm certainly looking forward to the cards arriving you know we're just a, a few short weeks away um hopefully from people starting to get uh their cards um which uh, really brings me to my next question for an update from fed hq i know we've got some galacticon information but as far as you know things moving along with sets people can probably still expect to get their sets you know last week of March first week of April
1: I would imagine that sounds about right I think that you know we're you know the, the uh, I think Todd we promised by the end of the month is that what we promised Yeah,
2: by the end of the month yeah
1: so so that would mean that you'd probably get it last week of March first week of April at least our priority express kind of folks and maybe maybe Denmark if Stu decides to fly that over again I don't know <laughs>
0: Um, all right. Well, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, again, to get these sets and, and I know that, uh, other folks are as well. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more reinvigorated. I haven't rolled out a card for my legends fed in, in too long. So it'll be fun to to do that and add some of these names in, um, Todd Galacticon info hit us, man, hit us with it. Yeah.
2: So I'm, I'm putting up, uh, this week, the Galacticon info page with, uh, all the details there. Uh, I still, uh, we won't have ticket prices up there yet. Uh, that we'll probably put a little bit closer once we put the on sale there. But at least want to get you know, all the exact dates in there, it will be Saturday and Sunday. So there will be some time on Sunday as well. Um, and uh, there is a room block that we have at the Holiday Inn. So I want to make sure people get that. So they can at least get their rooms reserved, get all their flights and other travel things weren't worked out, so they don't have to worry about that. Uh, we are working out something for Friday night uh, with AAW in Chicago to do uh, to have a group uh, over there for their big event. What is, what, what's the name of the event? Is it the United
0: We Stand?
2: United We Stand, okay. So uh, that that event on the Friday night will be at, uh, was it 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette
0: Park? That is correct. So it's a
2: little... Little yeah, I was hoping to be Logan Square because that the at first know. because it's right on the train line we're at, but they're at the bigger venue uh, for this one. But hopefully that means some bigger stars will be there too, so it'll be worth it. Uh, but I'm working out to uh, get a bus transportation, so I want to get uh, you know re- reservations. Everybody who wants to be part of that RSVP for that. We'll do a whole I'll do a whole combo ticket for both the AAW event on Friday. As well as Galacticon into one big bundle of package, and you know there'll probably be a limited edition card that we'll have that night and all that all that stuff. Uh, plus the two two days at Galacticon, uh, we have a bit pretty big meeting room there, um, and uh, we'll have a buffet set up for Saturday, uh, a couple of different exclusive cards, stuff like that. So more and more, there's details will come out, but at least want to get the the page will be up this week with the, at least the the times and the dates and the locations and everything that you need to know around that. And we'll do some more updates as we get more things finalized, uh, you know, with our partners and stuff like that.
0: Awesome. Um, I, I you know, I, I'm so looking forward to it. I mean, obviously it's in my neck of the woods and I, I'm a big fan of, uh, A W and I think that, uh, the, the United we stand show is usually, you know, probably their, second biggest show of the year but uh, in years past I, I would say that it's been even even a better show than their Windy City Classic um, which is their their year-end show which usually kind of is the culmination of a, of a lot of stuff um, <clears throat> there's been some awesome matches uh, on United We Stand there was a Sammy Callahan and um, Ray Phoenix match about five four or five years ago I want to say that was just out of this world um, so so we'll see we'll see what they what they you know what they're bringing um but, and I,
2: uh, I will mention also i know there's an mlw show that's going to be in town on saturday that was well after everything else we had planned uh, that got announced uh we will end on saturday early enough that people can make it over to the show but we're not going to do any official thing uh for that so you'll be on your own to get tickets and get transportation if you want to go to see mlw on uh saturday night uh but, but folks who hang in at the hotel uh we i think we'll still have use of the 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 room then and we'll probably uh do a little night at the matches back at the hotel we're right by the uh the bar and the restaurant there so people can just kind of hang out and stuff on saturday night at the hotel if they don't feel like going to mlw nice Nice. I will not be going to MLW. I'm going to be exhausted after everything from the, from the day, I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Ty. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make the MLW show either. I mean, I, who knows? Maybe, maybe my, my arm will get twisted one way or another. But uh, I have a feeling that uh, I'm going to want the fellowship. You know, I mean, it's fun to go sit and watch yeah. a show and cheer. I know who's going to go, though.
1: I know who's going to go.
0: Oh, Oh, we all know who's
2: going to go. Mean, I go. mean,
1: yeah. Mr. I mean, have, you seen his, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen his WrestleMania schedule? I mean, it's, it's that's all oh, you need man. to know. He's gone.
2: He's, he's. We'll have best. to get the whole rundown on that next week. He'll probably sign show. thirty guys
1: <laughs> while he's at the show. too. <laughs> yeah. just yeah. They only, have, by the way, they only have twenty five guys there, and he'll sign thirty.
0: <laughs> oh man, um, uh, yeah. Well, it's you.
2: funny. We we were Zeke and I last week we were talking about the uh, lineup for the new uh, Best of the Indies set that's coming out. Uh, later in the spring and we're like "Ah, let's leave these you know spots open we'll see who gets signed during Wrestlemania weekend because you know he'll be hard at work there so
0: (laughs) he's the best the best man like it's yeah um. Well, uh, you know we're we're what we're four months away. A uh, little little over four months away to the to the day, and I am really really looking forward to it. I know people are already starting to make their their plans. Obviously, arrange their travel, um, and also see if they're going to hit up Waterloo the following weekend for the Hall of Fame. So um, that is certainly my plan. Uh, I can't wait um it's you know it's it's a year in the making for me uh i was supposed to be there last year and then had awful car problems that that hit us pretty hard uh right before it happened so uh that was a terrible phone
1: call by the way
0: yeah it was that well for for multiple reasons not just not just my uh my unable to my being unable to be there um so yeah, Galacticon will be super exciting, and I hope people are are you know making their arrangements um, because it's going to be a happening, uh, as as Todd's favorite announcer would would say. Um, That's right. Speaking of, of Todd, Todd, I think you should tell us about what you did recently. Yeah, so last week we had a lot of
2: guests on there, so we didn't get a chance to to go through it, but I did. Uh, two weeks ago, to go to see AEW Dynamite at the uh, Webster Bank Arena in Bridgeport. Uh, which I, I have say, a picture
1: to prove it, too.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. I sent the picture out with, well, at least my son, you know, I was you couldn't see me there, so you don't know, not from your phone, on. though. You yeah, know, I mean, I, I, I figured yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I um you know really you know, neat show there um yeah you know, i, I the, my favorite part that is it, it it took me 10 minutes to make it from my parking spot back to my house which uh was absolutely wonderful Beautiful. You know, from, from from my seat in the arena to being home took me 25 minutes which i was like which was amazing so i don't think i've ever made it back from any wrestling show just,
1: just like the garden
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh the garden <laughs> that was a rough one <laughs> um but no it's a you know, my second dynamite i've made it to uh that was the the show here it had um uh i don't know the rampage it had the um, Andra, andrade alito versus sammy guevara for the tnt title which was pretty wild um And it had, uh, we had uh, Brian Danielson versus uh, uh, Daniel Garcia. Uh, I'm the one who said it this (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, got, oh,
2: I got a drink, hold on. Uh, which, you know, which was cool. I mean, a lot of the matches they didn't announce up until, you know, I was, like, walking in and, like, Sam's, like, texting me, oh, my God, it's Danielson yeah. versus
1: Garcia. I was so are, are we, excited. Now, do, do they run, I, I forget, do they run Rampage after Dynamite? Yeah, they,
2: yeah. they take about a 25-minute or so break and they, like, switch everything over. They, like, switch all the... The, the the covers on the, the fence around the outside they changed uh, the the skirt they changed all everything in the in the uh, the, the ring apron and, and everything or, uh, so outside. what time do they
1: wrap up like how long does it like what time do you get out of there uh,
2: it ended at eleven twenty five it was when the last match ended.
1: Yeah, the, and, was and, a little,
2: and the little guy managed. The, the little guy managed. The little guy managed. Yeah, he made it. Yeah, he made it. Um, yeah, my my son who's eleven went along with me, and we met uh, another friend and his uh, two daughters who like to watch with him. So, uh, yeah, he made it the whole way, and then he just passed out and slept in a little late the next day, and he was fine. So yeah, he really likes it. He he likes going there. He, and he's a big. Now, uh, are you saying,
1: are you saying he slept in late? Like. Is in missed school? No, no,
2: no. He, he he's the early riser of the house, so Got like it. he's usually up before like almost anybody else because he knows that's
1: the time he can. So I should I should, be, I should be I should text with him. His mom morning, yelling at him. is what you're saying. <laughs> I should text with him rather than you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You text him. Yeah, if he had a phone, you know, you text him, he would actually be answering before me for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he—he's—he really likes Jungle Boy, who did not oh, wrestle yeah. that night, but uh, he did come out there. So he, I think that's his favorite. And he like he likes the Dark Order, and we had like every iteration of the Dark Order between Dark and the, the main show and stuff there too. So uh, he definitely enjoyed that. Uh, you know, the House of Black. We had the uh, uh, Buddy Murphy debut as part of that uh a great promo with jericho and kingston which, oh, was, which yeah. was fantastic uh but then the, obviously the one that got all the attention that day was the mjf promo which was really wild to be the in the audience for because you just you came out you wanted to boom and then you started going they're like crap we can't boom anymore <laughs> you <know>? right
1: right <laughs> Well, you know, you, you were like where you were sitting, I believe, was like sort of if I'm looking at the main the, the main camera, you were like up off to the right, like up, up, you know, like.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah the, the And, whole and time,
1: I, 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 I swore when when I forget what it was MJF said, but there was one point where it was like that jaw dropping moment where he's like talking about being bullied. And yeah. I swore I, I saw you like pass out while, <laughs> when, when that happened. <laughs> maybe not maybe it was somebody else i, I think it was know.
2: somebody else yeah but <laughs> uh, uh but yeah the but yeah it was, it was really wild because we we're like uh yeah we can't heckle him anymore while he's talking about this like right. yes yeah, so, i mean, like it's amazing the guy you know who like is most despised was able to get everybody in the, in the audience to shut the hell up
1: yeah it, it, it's amazing what that guy can do in a am like I mean, both of them. I mean, this oh, yeah. is one of those it was one of those feuds where you go, you know, it was just, you know, they were both so good on the stick in it. And 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 they just kept elevating. Like at first you think, OK, they have the one big promo and you go, how can they really keep that You're going. going? It's yeah. got you know, like it's going to have to be, you know, cool off a little before they can. But. It was like every time they came out, it was something better. And then, the, yeah. and, you know, the, and then the go home on that was great, too. Oh, yeah. my God. That was I mean, honestly,
0: the, the build from the beginning to that go home is 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 probably one of the best builds I've seen in modern wrestling. I mean that and and the thing is, is like, you know, I talked about bloodletting earlier. It also is an incredible reminder of just how compelling and important and dramatic you know, getting a little juice can, can, can be because that was, I mean, it was huge. It was huge. I mean, it went from, it went from being something that I was interested in because of those two guys and would be interested in no matter what, even if they were going to read the telephone book, like I, I'm there for it. Right. To being just absolute nuclear heat. I mean, it was, it was incredible.
1: Well, and and you knew that, that like MJF had to be healed, but, right. he, did, but he did such a good job in that promo that Todd was at that you go, are they going to swerve us here? Like, is this right. going to be like the, you know, the, the whole, you know, the double turn, like, like do, do we, you know, do we really go there? Does Wardlow now go heal too? Like, you know, like how, right. is this, how are they going to work all this? Um, I just thought it was, I thought it was, that was exceptional. And the fact that Todd got to see it, I think it was live, was pretty cool to be there to experience that cuz you know. could tell on tv the arena was confused like really like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? hell so was what that i do at we home? Do? you know but but yeah but you, but you know it's it, it's there's something about hearing like it's one thing when you're sitting there yourself but when you hear like a crowd just go totally. silent yeah, like yeah. they're trying to razz the guy give him the business and then all of a sudden it's like ooh <laughs> I don't know, we can make fun of him now. Like, yeah, exactly. like <laughs> Is it really is it really good to boo a guy who's talking about being bullied? Like yeah, you know, like yeah. I guess like even wrestling fans had to stop at that point. You know, like we, yeah. we have to think about so what, this. maybe on a little longer than it should
2: have with some certain fans, right. but eventually it was like,
1: yeah. But I mean it, it got to the point by the end of that promo, it was just yeah, you can hear nobody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then and, and then Punk comes out and sells it. Yep. yeah right i mean it was just and, and... Well, that Go was ahead, part of hand. the
0: brilliance that was part of the brilliance is that punk comes out and sells it like not with he doesn't even have a mic in his hand which also added right. to it he just comes yeah. out and he's just talking to mjf you know is it true is, is that it true is that
1: true is yeah it true? yeah
0: and mjf like you know sold it so well too just looking at him again without the mic and being like yeah it's true and that's how they left it and you're just like oh, man, you know, it was gut-wrenching. And then, of course, when the payoff came the next week, which, of course, you know, everybody saw coming, right? But at the same time, like, they, they sowed a seed of doubt, and they played it so perfectly that when it came, it was just one of those things that it, it hit even stronger, and it felt like now, all of a sudden, this is even more important. It's
2: important. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's
1: the brilliant of what they've been doing over there, is that they've they've given you just enough little seeds of doubt along the way in a lot of their different angles, not just this one, but in a lot of their angles, right. you go, maybe I they can't, but maybe you know right. like it, it, it's 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 one of those things where you as a wrestling fan, you tell yourself they have to pay this off this way, but but I you know they've again they've done just enough to put that that little bit of doubt that that it's entertaining and not entirely predictable,
0: yeah. Yeah. that That's a perfect way to put it. You know, it's it, that, that, yeah, there's that maybe and that is, and that is enough. And the thing is, is that I feel like it's one of those things that, um, their competitors have been unable to do because either something comes so far out of left field that you're like, what the hell is going on? Or it is absolutely so locked in that there's just no drama. There's no tension. um, so I, I, I mean, I think that the whole thing is, has, has been just remarkable and, and I, I don't think it's over. Speaking of, uh, we had a show this past Sunday now we're not going to go super in depth like we've done before. Um, and I mean it this time, but, uh, uh. <laughs> but, uh, but we had revolution on Sunday. Um, I watched it, Todd, I know you watched it. Mike, did you have a chance to see it?
1: I did not. I mean, I, I, Heard you know what happened, but I did not actually see the pay-per-view. So, you, did you see any of the matches? Just just out of curiosity.
0: Nope. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, we're going to spoil it was, everything.
1: It was a bit. It was a busy Sunday, and you know, it just yep. didn't work out.
0: I completely understand. I completely understand. Um, It's been it's been a wild, wild week lately. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that later. But anyway, I guess I could have
1: watched it, but then I wouldn't have been on tonight, probably. And I, I prioritized you guys. I, well, we I'm glad you, I am glad you did I'm glad you did
0: so let's let's just talk a little bit about the buy-in real quick uh, Layla Hirsch Chris Statlander uh, I you know I these are two women that I, I love to watch work uh, the, the match wasn't perfect um, but it was it was a heck of a lot of fun and I thought it was really interesting to see Hirsch go over um, I think it puts her in a really interesting position um, especially knowing now that she's going to face Thunder Rosa uh, for a you know basically a, a women's world championship match um, anything thoughts on that match todd i
2: actually was eating dinner during that so i i, I missed that match but uh, i did catch the rest of it after that which awesome. you know i was you know i was waiting i was waiting for the next match uh.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah man Sindhook. hook i did again it's one of those things where you just kind of like this kid has wrestled like what, like five, 10 times, you know,
2: maybe five. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking, we're talking hook everyone. So,
0: (laughs) so, so, so I, I I, I mean, tell me another company that has been able to like, do what they're doing with, With hook right now you know well and
1: it makes no sense either right (laughs) i mean he's part of team taz like he's supposed to be a bad guy like well if you notice they they never bring him out with
2: team taz anymore he's just a separate entity now
1: but he still comes out the heel tunnel he does yes yes but but it's just the kid is just over i mean there's no like they're, they're smart enough to keep team taz away i mean taz sells it on commentary sure Right. But but it's like you, you mean even like like listening to Jericho and Taz go back and forth about Hook is really entertaining to me yeah. because they're both just putting him over. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's a total just push, 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 but not in a way that I mean you're like, well, it's his dad and his dad's friend. I mean, like, you know, like how, what are they supposed to do? You know, like it's nobody, (laughs) it's genuine sounding, right. It doesn't sound forced or corporate or anything like that, but, but he's just over and everybody wants him to be over. And, but he's a bad guy. Right. Yeah. I, I I know. I mean, I feel like it's gotta go somewhere with him and Ricky Starks. Like it, it it almost has to now.
2: Yeah, in time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like it I'm not right. I'm yeah. not saying it's like next week, but I'm just saying right. based on how this has all come out, like eventually Ricky Starks has to be like, why aren't why aren't you on my back with, with uh Hobbs here? Like where are you at? Like it has to kind of come to that point that some at some time it's gotta to come to a head that he's on his own and doing his own thing. And then dad's gotta make the choice. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. There's too it, much well, gold there. There's too much gold there.
0: <laughs> that's I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like that's just the way that they've been building so many of these stories uh, from, from the get go. And uh, I think that it, it, that seeing, you know, the the way again, you know, just looking at the way that they built Punk and MJF and knowing that both of those guys have other stories on the horizon as well that have already you know seeds that have already been planted. Um, you, you know, you look at the Wardlow stuff is another great example of of of, of you know that long term storytelling that they're doing. Um, and it's really you know it's it's it, it's gotten to the point now where it is it's so magnificent. You just got to think that Tony Khan's got like this, you know. Room in his house that looks like, you know, one of those crazy people that's, you know, track it's like Mulder from the X-Files, you, you know, where he's got all these like pins tying everything together and, and planned out for years in advance. Because how else do you do you possibly do something that's as coherent as what they've been able to do, especially for the past year or so?
1: You know, I thought there was going to be a segue there because you said we weren't going to spend a lot of time when we we're still in the pre-show. <laughs>
0: uh, so anyway, uh, Hook beats <laughs> QC Marshall in five minutes. Uh, we had uh, a six six man tag, which was a lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed it um, between the House of Black and uh, Pac, Penta Scaro, and Eric Redbeard. Um, yeah, I, Todd, what were your thoughts on that one?
2: I mean, yeah, just fun one. I, I mean. I knew once Eric Redbeer got to end the match, he's the one taking the fall. But you know, he he did a gotta say he did pretty good considering he's in there with a lot of guys who a lot of fans probably think are a lot more higher skilled uh, you know, than than this, you know, big guy, big former WWE guy. So I think he really did a great job, you know, holding his own out there with uh, some pretty talented guys.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um uh, there, there was a lot to like about that, and I, I, I'm really enjoying the, the, this feud and the fact that obviously it's going to it's going to keep going. Um, yeah. And then the show opened up with Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho, and. I mean, what a way to open the pay-per-view and what, a, you know, it reminded me so much uh, of like uh, Eddie Guerrero always used to say uh, that he loved going on first um, because he, he he said that, you know, you get the chance to set the tone. Like a lot of people would hate going on first and he always used to think it was an honor because you go out there and, it, you know, that, that his job is to then come to the back with, you know, with kind of like a follow that guys, you know, like that's, that's what you've got. To do better than, basically. Um, now we're talking Eddie Guerrero, so not a lot of people were able to follow it. But still, uh, I feel like that that's kind of the attitude that Jericho and Kingston had. You know, where it's like, we get to go first, and this is going to be awesome. And it was, it was. It was, you know, sub-14-minute match but it was perfect. I don't think that there was anything in this match. There was no wasted motion. There was no wasted emotion. Everything about it, it was, it was just about as perfect a wrestling match as you get. And it's the second time that I've said that about an Eddie Kingston match that has gone under 15 minutes because it was the same thing with his match against CM Punk. It was a sub-15-minute match, and it was perfect. And mm-hmm. this one was even better than that match as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, no, I think that this might have been my favorite match on the show. I mean, John, yeah. just the, the, the emotion around it and, like, the story that was being told there. Uh, yeah, plus I just love Eddie, Eddie Kingston. Uh, you love and, Chris
1: Jericho, too. And Everybody
2: I, does. Yeah, well, not, you're the big Jericho fan, for sure. But uh, <laughs> no, Jer- I think Jericho, you know, Jericho didn't do a Jericho match. Jericho did a Kingston match in this one, which was kind of cool, you know, that he was like, all right, he's, you know – going to play into that and i and i i just thought it was wonderful overall and and he finally got a win
1: yeah <laughs> big know. win obviously i mean a very big win for him yeah I, I mean you knew he had i mean yeah you really believed that jericho was putting him over i mean that that you know it, 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 it kind of had to happen especially the way that um That verbal confrontation or whatever they called it, you know, the 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 promo that the two of them uh, did uh, to go home with it, like it just felt like if if Jericho wins, you're 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 basically crumpling up Kingston and throwing him in the trash bin at that point. So (laughs) so you know he kind of had to win that, but I you know and I give you know again I didn't see the match, but you know know, just as Todd said, you know it was a Nettie Kingston match, not a Jericho match, and I think that that speaks to just you know how great jericho is you know for you know being adaptable like that but also how great kingston was that he can you know he could stand and have his kind of match with a great wrestler and have it be a great match
3: yeah. right
2: absolutely
0: Yep, I I totally agree. And you know, one of the things I even texted Todd as we were watching the match is that I felt like that we were seeing you know a very different Jericho that that he was like turning back the clock in a lot of ways. And I think that you know dropping the weight and 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 everything that he's done, obviously on his physical conditioning, has really in a way given him a new lease. Because there was a point where I'm dead serious. There have been a couple of times in over the past year where I was just sort of like he's probably done soon. Like he's probably, he's probably going to ride off into the sunset soon. And that's cool. And I looked at him on Sunday night and I was just sort of like, nah, that guy's going to go for as long as he wants to. Like the guy that I saw in the ring on Sunday night, he's going to be able to wrestle, you know, until he Sting's age. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll that, is, yeah, right? <laughs> that is definitely a match worth checking out without a doubt. The next match, this is going to be a match where I do feel like, you know, your mileage may vary, but for me, I thought it was one of the best triple threat tag team matches that didn't involve ladders and tables I have ever seen legitimately I thought it was fantastic everyone did so well um you know when when you've got uh two teams that know each other as well as Red Dragon and the Young Bucks in there it it would probably be easy to get lost in the shuffle and Jurassic Express definitely did not actually they're not announced as that anymore they're announced as Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus but um they, they did not get lost in the shuffle they had their moments to shine and you know they retained their title uh and I thought that this was a great match and helped to further the story obviously between Red Dragon and the Young Bucks
2: no. Yeah, did, did what it needed to do. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kept kept the belts on the on the champs there. Yeah, there really wasn't. It yeah, didn't need to come off them yet. I think there's much. There's enough of a story to tell with the Bucks and Red Dragon that they don't need the belts really, and,
1: right? And maybe yeah, tell and just allow a story with Red Dragon and the Bucks to sort of take off. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, and uh, maybe Adam Cole and Kenny Omega. I mean, who knows? Oh uh, yeah, that's that would, there. I mean, yeah, no, no that was doubt. The other
2: thing from the there was the other thing from the buy-in was the the reemergence of Don Callis and kinda of hinting at you know Kenny Omega a little bit. I don't know when he'll be back. Probably not still not a little still a little while away, but it's interesting just kind of planting those seeds a little bit. Of now,
1: now now the rumor I've heard is that they're gonna have the Bucks and Omega go face and Cole and Red Dragon go heel. And I'm going, how do you turn Kenny Omega face with Don Callis? Like I'm not sure how that works gonna <laughs> right, yeah, right. work. Yeah, I don't think think
2: that happens. (laughs) I I don't think, yeah.
1: I don't yeah
0: it'll be interesting to see exactly how it goes and there's a part of me that wonders is that you know will this be a case of you know kind of your non-traditional like there really isn't a face necessarily like the crowd's going to cheer who they want to cheer you know and it's clear that you know Adam Cole has a huge following Uh, people want to cheer him already you know yeah Uh, and uh, and then of course you've got Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks where I feel like again you're going to have people that want to cheer them this is just going to be a case of of six guys that we want to see in the ring together. Um, having great matches. Um, then we had our face of the revolution ladder match for a, uh, future AEW TNT championship match. Uh, people apparently seem to really like this match. I, I, I didn't dislike it by any measure. Uh, but I, there was a feeling that I had by the end of the match that it wasn't, it wasn't on par with the matches that I had just seen. Mm -hmm. Then I came to find out that Orange Cassidy had been injured during the course of the match, and that caused them to change some stuff towards the finish of the match. And all of a sudden, it made total sense because I was like, oh, okay, that's why that's why I I felt that way, Um, because the match did seem to kind of like fall apart a little bit. It wasn't exactly what i feel like it should have been um at the end of the day this match was there to serve one purpose and one purpose only and that was to get wardlow even more over and you know get him to win the match which he did
2: yeah no was fully expecting wardlow to come
0: away the way it was just a matter of how it was gonna happen yeah um, next up, we had Jade Cargill defending her title against Ty Conti. Uh, this one was pretty much a foregone conclusion. I had a little bit of doubt in my mind just for the for the sole purpose that Ty Conti has already dropped a couple of matches to Britt Baker, so it made me kind of feel like... Where, do, where does she go from here? Um, she's improved so much over the past couple of years. I mean, she is a, a just a different competitor as far as I'm concerned, um, and and she's gotten just so good at being a pro wrestler. Um, so I'm sure she'll be fine. But it is interesting to think that you know she's had a couple of big opportunities and they haven't they haven't paid off so it'll be yeah just interesting to see where she goes i thought jade looked really good i felt like this was honestly one of her best outings uh, on a pay-per-view anyway and you know kind of mm-hmm. a big match setting and uh love the gear you know the mortal combat oh, gear is great gear. she's
2: jade from mortal Kombat. Yeah. I mean, yeah she's been playing up some good good gear for the uh, for the pay-per-views or the big the big matches because i think she has the storm gear i think was for when she won the title i think so, i think yeah
0: i think so yeah.
2: so yeah she's definitely playing that up i mean she, she knows her role and, and she's been Working hard, yeah. She pulled out some mm-hmm. new moves and stuff. Pulled out a frog splash. You know, <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. Thing, <laughs> right,
0: right so. not only a, a frog splash, but a really good looking, unique looking frog splash. Like it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily a frog splash that we see anybody else do, which I which I appreciated. It was. It, it was solid. It was just a damn good looking frog splash. Um. So yeah, next up we had the CM Punk MJF Dog Collar match and. I mean, this match was, and Punk even said this after the match that this was basically their like tribute to you know to Roddy Piper, and 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 it clearly was. I mean, this match was was the fight that you wanted it to be, that you needed it to be. Lots of great psychology, lots of wonderful storytelling, um, and the finish was you know damn near perfect for what this feud has been.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: set it up, you know, great for.
2: Yeah, him with uh MJF and Wardlow, uh, in the future, we'll, I'm looking to see, forward to seeing how that all shakes out on Wednesday, right? But, uh, I mean, overall, I guess uh, you know, the match, match was maybe a little long, but I guess you kind of had to go a little bit there. And uh, not sure the thumbtacks were needed, you know, with the, with everything else going on, but you know, I, I, think, it, 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 I think Tony
1: Khan likes thumbtacks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bray Baker, right? I yeah. mean.
0: Yeah. yeah i mean i i saw some people criticize that but i it didn't bother me
1: it really didn't i felt it like it, fine. it's yeah. fine I,
2: I always pop for the thumb i, I just think yeah. that you got
1: the dog collar, and i didn't see the matches we already discussed but but you've already got the dog collar like like yeah usually
2: you don't need as many other gimmicks if you have the dog collar right yeah that's like crazy.
1: that i mean how many dog collar matches have you really seen like you know <laughs> among major promotions yeah right you know right. I, like, you know what I'm saying it's just it's 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 unique in its own way and you can keep it It, it can be special without something else so I can see the criticism yeah,
0: yeah. no I, I it, it's valid without a doubt I just for me personally it didn't it didn't bother me um, but yeah I, I, I thought that yeah the ending sets up a, a lot of great stuff and I don't think that this is the last time that we're going to see the two of them share a ring together either so uh, we'll see we'll see what happens one they
2: might they might not be right now. They might no. take a
0: break there, but yeah.
2: know, but they'll they'll meet up again.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think I think so. I think before the year is over, we'll we'll see the two of them square off one on one again. Um, one thing that I th- found out uh, afterwards, uh, Punk did the the post uh, show uh, media scrum with with uh, Tony Khan, and uh, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, Harley Race is the one that taught him how to blade. And I, I, thought that that was a really cool little little tidbit um, <laughs> to learn, um, and uh, and he said that he thinks Harley would be proud, and I think that he's absolutely right because, I mean the. When when Punk gets color, he gets color. And knowing oh, and knowing that this geez, is a, was a <laughs> Knowing that this <laughs> well, is a guy who, who won't drink because one of the things that a lot of guys will do before they go out to matches they'll they'll drink a beer because the alcohol thins the blood, uh, or they'll take like some aspirin because it, it'll have the same effect. And he doesn't do either one of those things because you know he's Straight Edge and he won't even take an aspirin. Like he he doesn't. Uh, well, at one time maybe he does now. I don't know. But but at one time he would not even take an aspirin for a headache. Like that was just the type of guy he was. So uh, so kudos to him. Um, but, um, next up we had...
2: Oh, oh, just good. one quick, just the thing there. It's interesting with everyone kind of calling out the old ring of honor entrance of that. Aww. And I just found out recently that, um, he debuted that song in a dog collar match against Raven. Raven. It yep. was kind of cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. That was, that was killer. I loved that because I, I, <clears throat> I'm familiar with that match with Raven. That was one of the, that was honestly, when I first heard of CM Punk, that was one of the first matches of his that I saw was the dog collar match with Raven. And, uh, so, yeah, I, it, that was awesome. That was just awesome. And I, and it, they set it up so perfectly because MJF did the fake out, you know, yeah. where, you know, they played uh cult of personality cult of Person. and then he came out and then punk did the, the, the AFI, uh, ring of honor entrance, which was, which was just, yeah, killer and was wearing the same gear basically that yeah. he wore for that match. Um, next up we had Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, taking on Thunder Rosa for the AEW women's world championship. Um, this was kind of a surprise for a lot of people, I think. Now it's clear what they're going to set up, which yeah. I think is fine. Uh, but it was interesting to to see that that Britt went over here. What are your thoughts on this, Todd? Because I know that you've, this is this has been kind of a, a storyline that I know that you have been talking about for a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been and, calling and like it for months. I this was going to be month. the payoff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I called it for months. It didn't seem like the payoff because it didn't seem as urgent. It didn't seem mm-hmm. as big, you know. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, Thunder Rose is the one that would beat Britt. You know, it's been the whole thing all along. Brett you know, won it last May. You know, coming off the the loss in the, in the lights out match, which obviously does not count towards the record. Uh right. But uh, you know, Thunder Rosa beat her there to kind of beat you know win that feud, and then but then Brett won the title, and then you know, I, so the whole the whole the whole time the story was Thunder Rosa is going to be the one that finally beats Britt, and i like, kind of came into this, I'm like, it just didn't seem as big as it probably should and then it came out and then you know Britt won and then afterwards it's like oh there's a number one contenders match coming up this week and uh, thunder rosa's in it oh and the winner gets to face brit at the same event that they had the lights out match you go oh and it's also in thunder rosa's hometown (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm like oh i get what they're doing now (laughs)
3: yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. well i think that it's smart to to have thunder rosa have to earn another shot like it's not just a foregone conclusion that they're going to like just give her another match like you know it's not going to be a case of like tony khan said that due to the interference in this match thunder rosa is going to get another you know it's like no 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 no. she's going to have to earn that shot again by beating do, layla hirsch
1: do Do you think she's over enough to win the title i think thunder, thunder rosa is. yeah i do i think she is
2: i you know I, she's very popular with live crowds too like it's she's and and kids and stuff like that. Like she's she's pretty she's pretty big like of anyone up there. I think she's probably the best chance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, she's certainly I will absolutely say that she is. Pro. Well, I don't know. I feel like Brit might have cooled off a little bit.
1: I think part of it is, is that she hasn't had that like marquee that marquee feud that really is selling it right now. Like Mm -hmm. I think everybody's still into her, but they're like, what's left for her to do.
0: Right. There's one person who's not on the roster that I feel like if they, if, if they brought in and I don't know what she's doing, if she's even interested in wrestling anymore, to be completely honest with you. But there's one person that I feel like if they brought in uh, that they could just, Immediately slot into the title picture. If Thunder Rosa were not going to be next, and and Britt was going to hold on to the title for a little while longer, that would give you that marquee feud, uh, and that's Tony Storm. I feel like if Tony Storm came to AEW, I, I have little doubt in her ability to a get over with the crowd, and b give Britt the type of matches and type of feud that she would need to have that you know marquee feud like you're talking about. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the Thunder Rosa stuff has been pretty big, and it's been going on mm-hmm. for a while, so. Yeah, and I do think Thunder Rose is hot with the crowd, so. Yeah, she is. Uh next up, we had John Moxley, Brian Danielson. Um it's a toss up honestly between this or the Eddie Kingston Jericho match for me, which was my favorite yeah. match of the night. Uh I thought this was just awesome. I mean, this was just great. Pro wrestling, lots of strikes, lots of holds, just, you know, lots of hate, lots of heat. It was it was fantastic. Uh, everything you would expect or want from these two. Um, and it, it, to anyone who sometimes questions John Moxley's ability to work in a wrestling ring you've not been paying attention but also watch this match and that's not because you know people will be out there saying well yeah but he's in there with Brian Danielson no 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 this is a case of John Moxley meeting Brian Danielson every step of the way and Brian Danielson is the best wrestler on the face of the planet so that tells you where John Moxley is in the scheme of things he's he's right there with him it was fantastic
2: yeah, well, this was a ton of fun. And obviously, you know, the big talk afterwards was, you know, <laughs> who came down at the end? Papa Regal. <laughs> Papa Regal coming in. Obviously, a little bit of tie to both guys there. But, uh, yeah. And that no, might be the biggest news
1: of the night, too. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yep. probably. Oh, we we've, we've skipped over, uh, you know, Swerve Strickland there uh, coming out as the other debut. Yes, I think that's right. But I think Regal was even, uh, you know, a bigger one for
1: most people. It was close, but I'm going with Regal. Yeah.
2: Only because, with especially when
1: you come, well, when you but also when you combine it with the Ring of Honor purchase, right? Because now you've got a young group who he can help you mentor through that. I mean, he has some experience with that. People may or may not have heard, and (laughs) you know, I I think that you know that's where it becomes big is that you know Tony Khan might say he's still going to be booking, he's going to book both brands, but that's going to require a lot of delegation to make happen and i i could see you know regal playing a big piece of that yeah absolutely. yeah yeah i totally agree
2: but,
0: um but in the
2: meantime at least storyline wise on a on a w look forward to uh regal uh danielson and and Moxley and their Cobra Kai Dojo uh being gulped. Uh, looking forward to that.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh man. I mean I, 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 I don't know. I, what I want to see is I want to see them get Lee Moriarty and Daniel Garcia, and that will be like their stable. I, I just think that that would be awesome. Um, but obviously I don't want to see 2.0 get yeah, know, Parker. I was just going to say
1: Parker might blow a gasket. It's like, I mean, literally <laughs> he might just like, he might just like poof in the middle of a <laughs> promo. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: Next up, we had the six-man Tornado Tag Team match with Darby Allin, Sammy Guevara, and Sting taking on the Andrade Hardy family office. Andrade El Idolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, this was exactly what it should have been. Yep. And, and And nothing you could have possibly expected at times. Out of this world, intense and insane, and I don't know who's crazier, Sammy Guevara or Sting?
1: Uh, <laughs> Sting, because he should know better. Yeah, right. This is
0: true. Right. But but how awesome! I mean, seriously, what a great one of the knocks that Tony has. Tony Khan has often gotten for the AEW pay per views in the past is has been that you know the 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 build and the kind of the peaks and the valleys aren't there. That it's just kind of like banger after banger after banger after banger, and the audience is exhausted. And what are you going to do? And this was probably his best put together pay-per-view so far for having those peaks and valleys. And this was the perfect example of that because you get this Moxley Danielson match, the Regal, you know, uh, uh, debut, and then you come in with this, something completely different that is super fun, does not overstay its welcome, and leads into, you know, the main event. I I thought it was perfect. And again, there were some insane spots. It It was, yeah, it was a hell of a lot of fun.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, no, not much more you could say, but yeah. yeah. That Spanish fly, though. What? <laughs> Sammy is, when he looks at the crowd and he says, I'm crazy. Like, yeah, he is. He's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> and like I said, so is Sting doing a balcony dive. I, 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 uh, yeah. God love him. God love him. Uh, and then, of course, our main event of the evening, Hangman Adam Page taking on Adam Cole for the AEW World championship this match to me was everything i want from like a world championship match it reminded me so much in structure and this is one of the best compliments i can give it of some of those like rock austin matches um i thought it was so great i thought it was so wonderful but like those rock austin matches it was a little overbooked at the very end like everything up until that was so damn great. And then you had all the run-ins and the interference and, you know, the table spot and all that, you know, all that craziness. And, but the, but the crazy thing is it didn't suffer from it. And Adam Page is, I, I, I he has become my favorite AEW world champion. <laughs>
2: That's saying something there. Yeah, it is saying yeah.
0: something. Because that Kenny Omega, John Moxley, and Chris Jericho, I mean, but yeah, he has. He's become my favorite World AEW world champion. And probably my favorite world champion in the business today. So, yeah. yeah. I thought this was great. Uh, and I thought, you know, it's funny because I had a couple of people say that, you know, they thought Adam Cole was going to win. And I was like, there is no way in hell that Adam Cole is winning this match. I think that that's cool, that that there is that seed of doubt that has been planted in some people's heads. But... There was no way that Cole was going to win that match.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I'm uh, wondering uh, who eventually will be the one uh, to beat Paige. I, I don't see it happening
0: right now. I uh, no, I, I mean I think that MJF. I, that's exactly I mean, what that's who I'm say. thinking. Yeah,
2: I'm thinking it's MJF either in September or November is probably
0: the best chance. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it'll be at all out. I don't think it'll be, I don't know, I mean, it's possible, but I just don't think that that's going to be, I feel like he's going to be able to have it for, for a little over a year. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Overall, I thought it was a great show. I, I, you know, I, I will be completely honest and I'm not one to do this a whole lot because you just never know the TV can, you know, deceive you and sound can deceive you. But I thought that the crowd was awful.
1: And
2: Crab like, was pretty exhausted there. Yeah, it started out really hot, and then it just kind of you know, faded. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I mean, if I'm Tony Khan, like, there's a part of me that's just like, I'm not booking Orlando again for a pay-per-view for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Chicago's always big,
2: and... Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see how Vegas does there they're in the, the bigger arena this time, so we'll see how 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 it holds up there.
0: It didn't, you know, the thing is is it, it, it going back and and like thinking about the matches themselves, it did not affect the matches. The matches were still fantastic across the sure. board. So but Anyway, yeah, I mean if you haven't seen Revolution, I I say check it out, watch the whole show if you can. If you can't watch the whole show, Kingston and Jericho, Moxley and Danielson, Punk and MJF, Paige and, and and Cole, those are your go-tos. So, so just watch your
1: show. Okay, just watch yeah. the show. watch the show. Just, just, watch just watch the, show. Just, just watch the show. show.
0: just watch the show. Just do it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that that takes us uh, out of the real-world wrestling stuff, sort of. Sort of. Not really, but kind of. Not really. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're still kind of running with that theme, aren't we? Uh, but I'm going to hand the, the baton over to Todd. Todd uh, has got some stuff cooked up for us, so talk to us, Tournament Master.
2: Yeah, so I want to continue a little bit of the the March tournament, uh, you know, theme a little bit there. Uh, And and first of all, I I was curious. I'm like, it just the origins of the word tournament. So I did a little research last night. I figured I'd share uh, that just just very briefly. Um, And it seems the word tournament uh, started in the 11th century in France. And it is credited uh, by being started by a French baron named Geoffrey de Pouilly. And it, the, uh, it was around um, different mock battles that happened at the time that he would stage and that, that was staged throughout France at the time. Uh, did eventually include things like you know jousting tournaments and stuff like that. But most of those were also uh, mostly ceremonial and not real competitions. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, the origins of the tournaments was around stage competition, and now you know, some of our favorite tournaments are in wrestling. I thought that was quite interesting.
0: That is awesome, man. I, that, that is quite the history lesson. Thank you for doing that. I love that. I love that. Uh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so I wanted to talk a little bit about my one of, you know, one of my favorite tournaments, the thing that actually introduced me to the concept of tournament and kind of how it ties into Singer Games a little bit. And that is talking about uh, WrestleMania 4, what the world is watching, uh, which was the first pay-per-view I ever got to watch live. Uh, I had a big old party at my house and WrestleMania 4 featured the world title tournament after the big uh, February 5th debacle with uh, (laughs) Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and the referees getting plastic surgery and all that stuff going on there. Um And, uh, you know, the title being held up, uh, you know, this this was going to be the one night tournament to settle it there. Uh, I did tournament brackets and had everybody at my party fill them out. We did a pool. Uh, my friend Ted pre- correctly predicted the, the the final match. And, you know, he, he won that. Uh, but um, yeah, so just overall, I mean, again, it, it introduced me to the whole concept of tournament. I didn't know that there could be draws and buys, which confused me when scoring said pool. But, uh, you know, overall I was just enthralled and, you know, some of the other matches that were on that show were some of my, you know, just some of my absolute favorite characters at the time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, with the, with the tournament there, uh, you know, something I always wanted to recreate, you know, once we had the legends game that happened, that, that came out, that was something I wanted to recreate somehow was doing you know this Wrestlemania 4 tournament so um I think it was back in 2005 um and Mike and I you know had uh, met a couple of years previously and you know we started uh you know hanging out and talking more and Mike was talking you know now that the legends game had finally come out you know Mike had wanted to put together some bootlegs of some different um you know 80s WWF characters and you know I was interested in that too and uh we worked together as our first ever project that we ever worked on anything game wise as we put out uh, a bootleg set based on wrestlemania 4 and giving you all the characters that were not in the legends game at the time which uh it was the 14-man tournament and the only guys we had in the legends game at that point were greg the hammer valentine uh, Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who was in the Legends rematch set, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was in the rematch. Uh, the other two guys were in the original starter set. So Mike and I put together this bootleg set, and, um, and it, it was a lot of fun. It was, I think it was the first time we ever really utilized Werner also for a set, too. So a lot of history behind this bootleg set. Yeah.
0: So I have a quick question that I want to throw out there real quick before we get into the set because I really, 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 really want to hear about this. But I'm just curious. Did it bother you that this was a 14-man tournament? Like, did that bother you? Like, was it – was, it, was, it, was it you looked at it and you're like ah. – I mean, I know obviously there was a reason for it. Yeah. But it didn't have the symmetry of being like 16, You know, like at 13, that time, right, I know? didn't
2: realize the whole symmetricalness of tournaments there. So it didn't bother me at the time sure. really. Sure.
1: Well, I actually liked it, the bye. Like, I actually thought it was cool at the yeah. time. The thing that bothered me was then Hogan and Andre going to the double DQ and then, sure. you know, DiBiase just coasting into the finals. Right, okay. right. That's the part yeah. I didn't like at the time.
2: Yeah. yeah. Savage had to face two guys, you know, two matches in a row who had just come off a of bye,
0: you know, with the, yeah.
1: the gang
2: getting the other ones too. So.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because uh, the rumor is, is that Vince hates tournaments, right? Like, he just hates them, uh, And it's clear because I don't know that WWE has ever done a good tournament, uh, except for the Cruiserweight Classic, maybe. But I don't know if you can even count that as WWE. Uh, but, but, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, you, <laughs> you know, right. Like, it's... Uh, it is it, it's it's funny to me that the you know, and, and that's not to say that I don't love this show. I do. It's just when you look at the actual matches and you look at like the way the tournament is set up and the story and the and the psychology behind it, it's just sort of like it's clear that it's there to do one thing, and that's make Teddy DiBiase your number one heel and Randy Savage your champion and your number one baby face.
2: Yeah. That's what that's what it's set up to do. Yeah, there wasn't anybody else over but those two guys. Right, right. (laughs) And and
1: sets Hogan up for some backstage shenanigans down the road. (laughs) Welcome.
2: That's true. Um, but uh, so Mike, any any recollection about how you know we got started on this uh, the bootleg set?
1: Well, I I think like you, you encapsulated it pretty good. I mean, I think we started with the you know. the the thought was the legends product had come out and we both liked eighties guys. And I was saying, I wanted to do these guys and some others. And you said, well, you love the tournament, which was not a surprise to me at that point. And, um, you know, it just sort of evolved into what would not it be better if we could just fill out, that would be like a set. Like this wouldn't be like trying to recreate a year or something where you needed all these different guys. We could just do this, this snapshot. And then also, I think the other thing that came into it was we agreed that these cards were all going to be based on that moment in time. So we weren't trying to do a Randy Savage career card. We weren't trying to do an Andre career card. You know, it, it was uh, um, you know, like let's get these guys and in, in that snapshot moment to you know, what they looked like there, so that the tournament results, if you replayed them, at least had a chance of being. Um, similar at least and like time appropriate,
2: right? Right, exactly. And I think, and I think the other thing I liked about just having it, you know, tournament as as the set there is like a lot of times you get different bootleg sets. It's like, oh, okay, that's cool. I like this. Oh, you know, am I going to use it? I'm not sure. Maybe I can use it. And here is like, oh. I could just do and just play out this thing. It gave you something. It just set it up it as like, oh, I can play out this tournament now, you know, with with them, and it just is an easy thing, you know, for people to just, just go ahead and run with. Even if they ran it one time, hey, they got to utilize it. And I thought that was kind of a nice little thing along with that too.
1: Oh, here, here's another little interesting thing. We had, we had actually agreed we weren't going to call it WrestleMania because we, you know, we didn't own the intellectual property, and Todd went and. In the booklet, just said WrestleMania everywhere. So you know, <laughs> the cards, the cards say WMIV Tournament Set. Yeah, and the booklet just says WrestleMania everywhere. <laughs> I'm not going to say who did the cards and who did the book,
2: <laughs> but I think you get the idea. Yeah, <laughs> but it says
1: so in the book who did them. So spoiler alert. Um, there you go. <laughs> but. Uh, so, so that that was the other thing I remember about it was we had agreed on it, and then you sent me the book, and I was like, "I thought we said we weren't doing this."
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's under the radar, you know.
1: Sorry. So Vince. we so we didn't make any money on this. No, we didn't.
2: No, absolutely not. So. <laughs> yeah think we gave a bunch away and yeah that was the whole thing it was like hey we, we just wanted to have some guys just to kind of throw because at that point there was only like i think the main legend set legends rematch maybe hardcore come out around that time maybe yeah, yeah
1: yeah maybe maybe that was
2: i think that might have been the, the the third one there you know that, that was so there really wasn't a ton there at that point so but we got all the big guys there so you know we we did it as a 12 card set because you know we were printing four cards to a page we needed eleven, so you know we had to do one extra guy. So we decided to do like the one other guy who was part of the tournament that really had an effect, and that was the doctor style slick. We did a magic card for nice. him, which was pretty good. Um, yeah, so he's got an interference chart, and he's got a distractor rating of seven. Uh, but he looks like a couple of the different antics he did during the show like he had the part where he could throw the cane in there sometimes it went to his guy sometimes it went to the other guy which definitely uh you know came into uh, play during the tournament there um uh but yeah i was glad we did that that, that's one guy we need to get a manager card for one time i don't know how we get a hold of slick i'd love to do a slick card sometime
0: yeah. I, I, this slick would be awesome to, to add in. Uh, you know, he, he actually spent uh, some time in, in Kansas city. Um, uh, that was kind of where he, he did a lot of his, uh, his early work, um, before he, uh, uh, moved on to WWF. So, uh, in Kansas city, of course, is close to my heart. That's where my dad's side of the family is from. Uh, and I spent a few years there growing up. Yeah.
2: And, uh, you know, huge, huge guy there. Um, So just kind of going through the cards here. So obviously, kind of going through the tournament, the first match of the tournament was Ted DiBiase versus actually Jim Duggan. We already had both of those cards. Luckily, DiBiase was also in the Million Dollar Man gimmick. So we got to use those right there. So those two we didn't have to recreate. Uh, The next match, though, was Don Morocco versus Dino Bravo. So both these cards are in the set there. Uh, We do have the tie-dyed version of Don Morocco. On this one there, which again, uh, I know we talked beforehand. Uh, not Tim Dalton's favorite version of <laughs> no,
1: so I, I I I think he's still holding a grudge on that. Truth be told,
2: that that we did this one here first. Yeah. I think we, we 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 were doing the uh, Legends expansion six set. You know, we were throwing, we were putting out some uh, photo references. You know, one of the, the things we talked about was just putting out tie-dyed Morocco ones for him to choose from. But then we thought he would just get too cranky and upset at us.
1: Oh, <laughs> so, so I mean, no, I remember having to explain to him and him saying, "You know, I understand it, but I still don't like it." Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well at least you at least you kept his name Don Morocco and you didn't call him. He the was rock, Morocco. you know Morocco. Yeah, not
2: the rock. You wouldn't put the Rock on there. Yeah. Just Morocco. <laughs> so he's got a plus two pile driver on there, a six-three pin, one only one down on level three uh, defense. So it took a little while to get him down there. And one down on level two defense. So pretty tough guy right there. See so Dino Bravo, we got the side suplex. Um that was his, his uh main thing there. Uh he does have a high disqualification rating, a six disqualification rating, which played into the match because he did get disqualified right. in that match against Morocco. So that I think that was on purpose, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while. But uh overall, any any other thoughts on these two cards here, Mike?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I, I think that um Morocco was just fun to be able to. And I knew that, like, if we ever, you know, there was the odds of a tie dye Don Morocco card ever coming out were pretty small. <laughs> so I felt like we were doing a, a yeah. service to the community with that, that card. And then um, Dino Bravo, he's one of, you know, I always felt like somehow, some way we'd get Dino Bravo, but it's tough when you know, he's not with us, obviously. And He's from Quebec, which makes it even more challenging with the language issues. And, but I liked having, I, I, I really liked having that card. He was, he was such a good heel at that point in his career. Yeah. Uh, um, There's so coming, I
2: off, just, coming off the bench press uh, thing with, Oh Jesse yeah. Too. Oh,
1: that was just, you know, fantastic. Um, so, you know, I mean, I just think that that was him near the peak of his run with, with, uh, the company so I, it was it was fun I'm, I'm glad we had that that wasn't my favorite pairing in no. in in the group but that was a good
0: one yeah yeah i you know i, I swear to real quick i dino bravo when i was a kid i i loved him i mean i hated him but i loved him you know what i mean like looking right. back he was he was probably one of my favorite heels there for for a stretch to be completely honest yeah yeah can't, can't so, tell you why. I just know he was.
2: That, <laughs> yeah. Well, then he brought in the earthquake and that, uh, you know, so. <laughs> All right. So the next one, so the next matchup after this one was Greg the Hammer Valentine, who we already had. Uh, so we didn't include him in the set, but he took on Ricky steamboat. Uh, so this Ricky steamboat card here, minus three agility, two flying body presses as his uh, finishers. you are both double, double zero finisher, um, you know, this was right before Ricky kind of left WWF after he brought the little dragon down to the ringside with him. Um, And uh, but yeah, glad we got to do a, a Ricky card here. That's definitely one of my favorites.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah I, I was just gonna say, I think he might be my favorite card that we did in the set at the time. You know, I, I guess take out Hogan and Andre because that was just cool to have those two guys there. I, you know, I think, you know, having to be able to do Steamboat and Savage was kind of a, even though Savage had turned face at this point, right. You know, but still to be able to recreate the WrestleMania three match now was sort of like an added bonus that you had a Randy Savage and you had a uh, Ricky Steamboat. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself to the next matchup, but, <laughs> um, but I, I thought that, uh, you know, that that was one of my favorite cards was
0: Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. Which wasn't that one of the biggest missed opportunities of the entire WrestleMania four tournament. You could have had a savage Steamboat rematch. And instead, yeah, that would have been the second, and that's what everybody
2: is, was calling as in the second yeah. round. Yeah.
0: But well, Vince is vindictive. Versus CEO. It yeah.
3: was,
0: it was, no, it was, it was, it was honestly, the whole reason was because Vince was pissed at him because he asked for time off after he won the belt because he wanted to be with his wife because they were about to have their first kid. And yeah. uh and Vince was pissed at him and it's one of the things it's one of the reasons why why Steamboat left. Yeah. Cuz yeah. he knew it didn't make any sense. Oh well. All
2: right, hey, we're going to the We got we got treatment. Flair we got
0: Flair Steamboat out of it so we can Yeah, do no,
2: that <laughs> I'm fine that Ricky left and had those matches with Flair. I think right? that it was a a good a good the uh, consolation there. All right, so next match there, the aforementioned Randy Savage. This one with uh, Miss Elizabeth, who had a seven distractor rating. I, don't know, I think that's a little high. Well, I guess I don't know. Is that? I think I think the
1: point was is that you know it, it, when she got involved in the match, it became very focal. Like it became a focal point. So it wasn't just necessarily that she would distract her, but like the referee would talk to her, and then the other. Um, wrestler would get mad at the referee for talking like it just became a spectacle when she got involved in the matches at that point in time that's not to say for her career she should be a seven but for that moment in time when she got involved in matches it became like a thing like if somebody knocked her down savage would get you know furious and you know beat the snot out of the guy so i think the seven just kind of gave it the you know the Matt, you know, gave it the gravity that it was a big match, and, and that you know, when she yeah. was the, out there, it, it it had an impact.
2: So, kind of looking at the stats here, uh, he does have the flying elbow drop plus three, which I believe we that's the same as the regular legends card, yep. and we also gave him the axe handle outside the ring three add one,
1: which without a choice, without a choice, notice, yeah, you just it's had just, that. That's it what just yeah. happened, it just <laughs> happened, <laughs> Yep
2: yep yep so yeah we did uh that that kind of carried through a little bit and then the other card the the match his first round match was uh against butch reed who i gotta say is probably the weakest card in the set overall
1: yeah yeah probably i mean him or the gang and the gang had the big finisher probably
2: yeah the gang so he, butch reed only had a zero finisher and a 7-4 pin with Two other downs on level three. So yeah, I mean this was, you know, first round fodder for Randy Savage in the in the main uh in the real tournament. And you know, probably for most people pay down, I have to assume that uh Savage, although he did Savage did have a six disqualification rating, so I don't know. I wonder if that's a little too hot, but oh wow. a hothead. He was a hothead, He is a hothead. Man. This is true. This is very true. Right, That was back when they were know.
0: Was to was to create the card based off of that night and not like, you know what I mean? Because that well, night, the lead up, like like
1: like the, like the lead up like so it was, okay. you know the whole okay. thought was is it was that that times so that honestly, the, the the whole thought was if you ran the tournament every time Savage wouldn't win. Otherwise, we'd have had to just dumbed everybody down and pumped him up. But the, sure. but the thought was to put it roughly in the era of the time, and that if you ran the tournament, there was a decent chance that. You know, that the, the relative card strengths would lead you to that point. The obvious exception of that being Hogan-Andre. Right, you know, right. Sure. Be, being the big wild card and all that.
0: Right, because you can't guarantee a double DQ, yeah. All right, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. I dig it. I get it. I, dig it. I, I like it. So the next
2: matchup was the two big men. We got Bam Bam Bigelow and the one-man gang. Uh, you know, one-man gang we eventually dig at a card for. Um, both these guys, uh, yeah, and actually it actually looks like... Yeah, they both somewhat similar type of stats. They both have a, uh, fin- a finisher that can miss on a. It's a, let's see, Gangs was five, a one to five. or four. six. They both
1: missed on a five to six.
2: Both missed on a five or six on this one here. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so Bam Bam's finisher is slightly better if you look at it that way, yeah. right? Because Gangs was going to average, you know, two and a half, right?
2: Yeah, and Bigelow's was a plus
1: three. Always oh, a three. Yes. And they missed at the same rate, so I, I i think you gotta go with uh bam bams his offense in general is better like if you look yeah. at his level two offense it's it's he's got the three straight three moves so
2: and gang has a two choice d before we knew how to do the choice situation well, well, the, the, <laughs> the there, there's another not the choice, chart.
1: There's another the choice chart that's wrong too uh I think it was uh. Uh, who the heck was it? I was just was savage. Savage, right? savage had had the other one that was wrong. He had a two choice E.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, so we, 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 we learned. We learned eventually. At least we didn't put any choices on level one offense, which you know I have seen on plenty
1: of bootleg in the past. There. Well, you know, there's there's one choice on, on level one. Offense. Oh, yeah, that happens, so. bam, bam, uh, Actually,
2: does he have it on there? Oh no! I meant uh, I meant the, the the small C next to like the top. no no I I know I
1: know I oh, okay I just you said a choice and I decided
2: to oh okay it. well there you go <laughs> so yeah so no, no, those two cards I don't think I really they, they really made it too far most of the times I tried to simulate this and then the next match one uh, was one that I think a lot of people were really looking forward to and became a big feud afterwards that was Jake the Snake Roberts against ravishing Rick Rude Rude we eventually did get a card for. Um, let's see, and he had a plus
1: two rude awakening
2: that's that held true to the red, the real card, too. Yeah,
1: yep, Yep. Yeah.
2: Uh, and then Jake Roberts, uh, had a DT DDT with a roll. Let's see, one rolls of one to three. Jake's opponent slides out of the DDT. Uh, Jake rolls again a level three offense on a four to six. This is his finisher, so he can hit a plus six DDT.
1: Well, I was saying to Sam, you know, before we came on you know, that was when, you know, the DDT was still like, nobody kicked out of the DDT. Yeah. There there was no kickouts. And, but that was when like people were quote unquote scouting, like, you know, as you're just, Oh, he scouted the DDT. <laughs> like, you know, he's got it scouted, but man, you know, like, you know, it's, th- that was the whole gimmick they ran. So guys would just sort of push their way out before he could lock in the, the face lock. So, you know, I think that, I, I thought that was a good way to replicate that right yeah, so this, that's I what think really we cool. everybody- when he hit it it was over right? right i mean there was so you know it being a four to six deep i think was a perfectly reasonable outcome for it um you know the uh and the one to three where you know he still rolls on level three offense so it wasn't like a total you know uh you know it's not like the opponent took over right uh, um so I, th- I thought it was Pretty good. I will say this Rick Rude's offense wasn't quite as good as the Legends Rick Rude.
2: Offense. No, the Legends Rick Rude was much better yeah, overall offense.
1: Overall, he was just better all the way around.
2: Yeah, but. agreed. And then Rick Rude was, was fairly new to WWF at the time. He uh, just only started, I think, a few months before that. So yeah. he hadn't really taken his footing, but... Well, that brings us to the two big boys of the set, the last two. You know, the two that got the first round by Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Um, the Hulk Hogan card has the f- plus four leg drop, which I believe that's also what was used on, uh, on the, some other different.
1: Uh, bootleg. Group. Another bootleg that we've heard about.
2: Yeah, another bootleg <laughs> we've heard about, about there. Um And I think also maybe, uh, what was the name of...
3: uh, Big Superstar.
2: Big big Superstar. Actually, his was not plus four. No,
1: it wasn't. uh,
2: But then he also has what we call the adrenaline check on his pin. So if you rolled a 10 or higher on his pin, uh, he becomes pumped up, feeds off the cheers from the fans, shakes off his opponent's attack, throws a flurry of punches, and takes over a level three offense. So, yep. That's gonna happen. And that definitely happened. I know when I ran this before. So <laughs>
0: nice.
2: You gotta, you and gotta then, have
0: that if you're doing a. You gotta have some hand. type of yeah. like hoken
2: up type mechanic right. for sure. And he had that five
1: uh, two pin though with that, so people don't think we overstated him.
2: Yeah, not too overstated there. Uh, although he did have a daze on uh, on uh, level three defense as well, because you know he doesn't always sell everything. So only sells what he wants to sell. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, versus Andre, who had two days on level three defense and no downs. <laughs> wow!
1: <laughs> but he did have a but he had a six three pin. It's so, three pin. So you you had a decent if you got to level three on them, you you had a shot. And he was the C ropes and a sea death jump.
2: Yeah. Although you could only throw Andre into the ropes. Into the cervical or out of the ring, if you had a power of negative four or greater, which Hogan did have, so
1: I, yeah. I believe that was made so that we were sure Hogan could do it. I think, yeah, I, I think, think that, that was that
2: was the case. It yes. certainly <laughs> calculated. Yeah. So, is so there anything else on this one here? On the, the Andre, the Andre, I like how on the card itself it was cut off so you couldn't see the top of his head because he was just so big to fit in there. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch. When he yeah, because his head
1: is on the back. Like if you look in, in, it the in the portrait, his full head <laughs> is on the back, but but on the on the front That's one, great. it was it was missing. Uh, That's on great. purpose
2: Well, anyway, it was a lot of fun with this here, uh, and I think you know, Mike, you mentioned you you maybe found another copy, uh, another little extra copy somewhere downstairs.
1: There might be. There, there might be, be yeah. an extra copy.
2: Well, we'll see. Maybe there might be. Uh, I don't know, Sam.
1: I don't know if you do enough for
2: the yeah, for this uh, podcast. I mean, that's
1: fair. That's fair. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the, a slacker I'm gonna, lately. I, I'm going to need to see some real effort from you. You know, like
0: <laughs> you mean like I have to read emails before the podcast. <laughs>
1: oh, I, you know, it, it's, <laughs> or, or, or 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 at least don't get caught not reading them. How about yeah, that? Yeah, right. Sam, exactly, let's start there. Exactly. Let's start there. <laughs>
0: Uh, oh. ignore an email one time. And no, uh, uh guys, I got to say, you know, the, without having seen the cards, uh, other than like what you showed me on the screen and what you talked about, like, I, I love the idea behind it. I think it sounds like it was such an awesome, uh, uh, thing to do. And, um, I love stuff like this. You know, I love the opportunity to take, um, a moment in time, a moment in, in wrestling history and to do something fun with it, you know? Uh, and I think that this was such a cool, cool way to do it. Um, <clears throat> my only, my only question is, is like, why not go all out, man? Like, why didn't you do like demolition and you know and, and strike force? Oh, that was and, you what you know, we, talked like... we talked about. You talked about the rest
2: of the card. Yeah. Oh, the demolition and strike force, that was my match of the night. Because I was a huge demolition mark, yeah. and I was going nuts when they won the ta- tag titles
1: that night. And that sure. was a big match. Yeah, I mean it was it was a question of scope creep, Sam. Yeah. You know, like like because like there was the should we do a card for Miss Elizabeth, right? There was right. should we do a superstar Billy Graham card? right like we talked right. about that cuz you know he was the rocks manager at that point but wasn't he was having his health issues i guess and wasn't always around you know yeah. like so so there were you know like a lot of like different things we kicked around for that but we decided that this kind of kept it at the right size and we could manage it and
0: Well, yeah, I mean, let's face it, the show opened with a 20-man battle royal, so, I mean, if you really (laughs) want it to (laughs) – no, I think it's great. I I, Kudos to you guys for doing it, and, and, you know, the artwork from Warner looks awesome, and I love some of the mechanics that you guys did, so um, I would love – yeah, I would love to – you know physically see a set, so you know, bring one to, to Galacticon.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's, I think one <laughs> might wind up in, the, in an auction uh, oh. coming to you soon, so I think we can make that happen. So, uh, one, one other card I did want to say from the event that I've always wanted to do, and um, is the Bobby Heenan in the dog catcher outfit, uh, where ah. he has the, the extra added in when he lands on somebody, it can have more of an impact. I, I always thought that would be so much fun to do
0: that's awesome
2: so maybe someday we'll see what happens so uh but kind of uh, going along with the tournament theme and it being march uh i also wanted to touch on uh you know why we think of march as the tournament uh month and that's the ncaa tournament and so when it comes to college basketball on a phil singer games related podcast i can only think of one person to talk to uh, so uh, a couple of days ago, I did uh, get on the the old Zoom room uh, with uh, one Stu Lowry, and uh, we had a great conversation about kind of the history of the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, Stu's uh, whole uh, um, you know history and what he loves about it, and and things like that. So uh, I guess can we? Uh, can we kick it over to that interview Oh, right I now? can.
0: I can absolutely roll that audio footage. Oh. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be right back after this with Todd and Stu talking the NCAA tournament.
2: Hey, guys. So uh, this is Todd here. And, uh, you know, this month is a big tournament month. And, of course, with tournaments uh, in March, there's nothing bigger than the NCAA tournament. And when we're going to talk about basketball, there's only one person I could think to bring onto the podcast
3: here, and that is Stu Lowry. Stu, how are you doing? Todd, I am doing fantastic. Appreciate you having me on, talking about something that is near and dear to my heart, my favorite uh, sporting event of the entire calendar, and that's NCAA March Madness.
2: Fantastic. Well, you know, since, you know, before we get into that, you know, since this is, you know, a wrestling podcast first, I figure we should talk a little bit of wrestling here. Uh, And when it comes to tournaments, you know, is there any kind of like wrestling tournament in real life wrestling that, you know, you've kind of enjoyed over the years, any specific one uh, or, you know, a series of ones that kind of stick out in your mind?
3: Well, I I used to watch the King of the Ring. I mean, that did mean something to me at one particular time, uh, certainly when Austin was coming up. And uh, got his first over the moon push uh, and coined Austin 316. That stuff meant something to me at the time. Uh, I never, I didn't watch the, Oh gosh, what was it? The tag tournament, the Crockett Cups? Oh, the Crockett Cup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't get into those for whatever reason. I wasn't following wrestling as much at that particular time in life. Okay. But, but no, nothing really stands out. Um, I've certainly run my own tournaments. Those have been fun at times. Not, nothing along the lines of the tournament master, but. Uh, <laughs> No, 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 I would say King of the ring would be the, uh, the tournament that most sticks with me something in that kind of tournament format for okay. WWE. See, I would
2: have thought the Crockett cup would have been, you know, being, you know, kind of mid Atlantic based. I would have thought that would have been a bigger thing for you, but I guess it just kind of hit that, that sweet spot of when you weren't as much of a wrestling fan. So that, that, that makes sense then.
3: It did. I mean, when I went away to school, wrestling just kind of dropped for a while. Yeah. It just became kind of a non-entity and, uh, from the, And that was – when they're having the Crockett Cups, at least I think, that was mid-'80s uh, uh, forward, and that's about when I was in college. So just didn't happen. I just didn't get into it for whatever reason. Now, I mean, I've gone back and looked, but it, during the time when it was actually being held, I, I wasn't a rabid fan. So what about when you were, you know, in your prime, you know, younger in,
2: in the mid-Atlantic days? Was there any type of tournaments that would happen there, even like a title tournament or something that, that kind of springs to mind?
3: Uh, They did have them. Uh, I don't remember actually actually having any uh, investment in any particular tournament back then. Uh, So no, no, not a huge tournament fan in the wrestling world per se. All right. Well, we'll let's skip that We'll go past the wrestling then
2: and get into, get into the heart of the matter with the, with the NCAA here. So I will admit, um, you know, I used to, well, I used to be a huge NCAA, you know, basketball fan back, back in the day, you know, my youth probably like high school and definitely in college uh, you know, I, I went to George Washington university right in kind of their heyday when they made it to the sweet 16 and we're in yeah. the tournament most years. So, you know, I was, I was uh, there all the time and, you know, following it for a while, but I got to say I've I've dropped off probably the last 10 or so years and haven't been following as closely. Uh, but when it comes to you kind of, what is your experience with the NCAA and, and how did you kind of get to be such a big fan of it?
3: Well, I grew up in the mid Atlantic region, which is no secret. I've talked about that many times now that the mid Atlantic region is certainly a passionate region or was for pro wrestling, But uh, right up there, and perhaps even surpassing that in the Mid-Atlantic area, certainly in the Carolinas and Virginia, is ACC basketball. In fact, I would watch Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling around noon or 11, something in that ballpark in the early 70s, and that was followed by the pregame show for ACC basketball, which was followed by the ACC Game of the Week. So, I mean, you had that incredible run of my absolute – two loves in terms of sports. Well, if you want to throw baseball in there too. Um, Pro wrestling and ACC basketball. I mean, I became a rabid ACC basketball fan. I still am. Um, In this part of the world, ACC basketball means a lot. and the way they position the ACC tournament uh, prior to the mid 70s, it might have, 74, 75, something along those lines, maybe a little bit later. Uh, To go to the NCAA, you had to win the ACC tournament. So the tournament was everything. I mean, you had teams like Lefty Drizzels, Great Maryland teams that only had a handful of losses, wouldn't go to the tournament and could have won the national title. So the tournament meant everything. They marketed and sold it so well, and it became just kind of a, a big part of my sports fandom. And that has translated to March Madness as that has evolved and gotten bigger and bigger and bigger um, uh, I love the tournament format. I love the the one and done of it all, if you want to call it that, that you get one shot. It's not series like in pro basketball or any other sport or or hockey for that matter. You get one shot, you win, you advance, you lose, you go home. And that just creates fantastic theater. Uh and every year. I've heard it said, and I believe it, that the tournament is almost bulletproof. I mean, it's, it's going to deliver. The games always deliver. You will wind up finding new stars that you never knew existed, Uh, you know, guys from teams like Loyola Chicago that you've never heard of. I remember George Washington when they, when they made that run, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you a player on the team, but I remember them (laughs) making a good run in the NCAA tournament. um,
2: Iqadari, that was the guy. That's it.
3: He was a center. He played for the Nets eventually. Yeah, I was
2: a New Jersey Nets fan at the time too. So like, yeah, kind of go, yeah, I had, you know, I went to, you know, the one team to the other team of my favorites there. And then he didn't do much of anything after
3: that. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had we had one one shining moment, as they say. Yeah. So I just I've become an enormous fan of it. I, the, the format lends itself to that. You, you, you get these stars, like I was saying, from Loyola, Chicago, that you probably never hear from again. and You didn't hear from prior to the tournament. But the tournament makes stars of them, uh, and even it makes stars of off the court personalities, such as Sister Jean for Loyola Chicago. I mean, she became kind of a, a household name—the the nun who was the uh, counselor to the team—and they kept featuring her as, it, as they made their improbable run in the NCAA tournament. It's just—it's just awesome to me, Todd. I just—I always take off the first two days of the tournament—the okay. the, 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 the Thursday and Friday, not counting the the first four the plains, parts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just, I mean, I just watch that stuff. I just, it used to be a bunch of us would get together at sports bars. As we've gotten older, we don't do it as much. But I mean, I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the couch at the very least, and just, you know, immersing myself in basketball. Yeah, I
2: know, definitely. Uh, I remember many a uh, very long lunch on that first day. I go into the sports bar and, uh, you know, watching all the games oh, yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Blurry-eyed coming out of it, too. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which then later on kind of went into, once I started streaming it there, then it'd be like, you know, you have on the one part of the screen on the work uh, computer, like, you know, keeping track of the games there. So, yep. yeah. yeah, that was that was always a, a ton of fun. I mean, that's that those first two days are just absolutely amazing just like stuff going on all the time you, you know some crazy upset happens a buzzer beater here i mean there's always something going on which, which is great
3: no that's what you live for you're hoping for maybe one or two cinderella teams that will at least get to the second weekend and um hoping that your upsets pay off in the brackets i of course run the office pool at work so yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's stuff you just live for. And, and everybody can get into it because everybody understands a bracket. You know, it's a, just a, a simple device. People get it. People who are not basketball fans or even sports fans, they understand that this team wins, it goes to the next bracket, and it just works beautifully.
2: Yeah, everyone can kind of participate in one of those, which is totally. which is really great.
3: Yeah, yeah. And there's always somebody
2: who's like, wait, like you didn't know anything about it. And they, you know, they go and win it all in the end. So
3: <laughs> that's right, and that has happened. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I remember. I, I, which should come as no surprise whatsoever. I've run many a pool myself, and <laughs> that's office, not so a which, shock. Which is not a shock. <laughs> and I remember the year that, uh, and I was when I was in D.C. in the year that Maryland won it all, which I think was maybe two. Two thousand one, somewhere around that. It's two. two You're very close. Okay. Yep. I, knew was, I knew it. was one of those two. There, yeah. Yep. yeah two thousand two, uh, and we had a three way tie for first in the end, which was which is wild. And so it came down to you know putting in the tiebreaker there, and we only had prizes for the first two. One, so my one friend Matt, uh, he he had the third worst tiebreaker. He didn't win any money out of it, even though he had the most points on there. <laughs> <He> never- <laughs> Things are gonna
3: go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. That's the that's the fun of it all. I mean, last year's uh, was the same kind of way. We had one person with the one long shot to win it, and they wound up winning it. So, I mean, it's it's pretty cool how that works out.
2: That's neat. I remember yeah. another year I was uh, when I was up in uh, upstate New York. I was uh, in school in Ithaca. And it was when Syracuse uh, went mm-hmm. uh, and won that. I think it that you know, soon thereafter that I think like two thousand was a two thousand three. I think if I'm not mistaken, it sounds about right. Carmelo, yeah. uh, Carmelo, yep. Yeah. So two thousand three, and I did a pool in at uh, in Ithaca, which was maybe had like you know not that many people, maybe like a dozen people or something like that. And I did the same exact bracket in another one with my friends in DC that had like a hundred people in it, right? I lost the one in New York because everyone picked Syracuse, and I won the one down in DC. You know, was like, hey. <laughs> so, which was a nice chunk of change there. But yeah, <laughs>
3: hey, win the one that pays the it's best. Win the one that pays exactly. It's nice. <laughs>
2: uh, so, um, is is there any kind of uh, you know tournaments or in the past in, in the NCAA that really kind of that you remember in particular that really stand out?
3: Oh yeah. Uh, the eighties the are going to be my sweet spot. Uh, for me, I had two older, two older brothers and they can remember all the glory years of the seventies. Uh, but I became a real rabid fan about the time Ralph Sampson went to UVA in 79 and 80. Um, so, and unfortunately those UVA teams, which are my favorite teams still are, I pull very hard for Virginia Cavaliers. Um, they didn't win one single ACC tournament when Ralph was there. It was always freaking heartbreak. So, oh. I mean, the, in the ACC's, they would lose that, and then they get in the NCAA. I remember the year they went to the Final Four very clearly. Uh, I believe that was the 81 team uh, that had Sampson, Jeff Lamp, who was everybody's All-American, and uh, Lee Raker with the three big ones. So I remember that run because I was just – I mean, you talk about being invested in something. I was heavily invested. Every shot was life or death, and <laughs> they got to the final four. They lost to uh, eventual champion. Um, is that right, North Carolina, or did North Carolina? No, excuse me. Yes, that's right, because North Carolina beat. No, that's. I'm getting. I'm getting that a little confused, but they trying to remember who won that particular final four. They did lose to Carolina because Al Wood torched them for 39 points uh, mm. thereabouts. Uh thirties and just crushed UVA. I remember watching the consolation game because he used to play a third place game in those days. Oh, I remember they,
2: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: They played it's, it's LSU. Be like, how, how can you get up for that? I mean, really? <laughs> Who cares? And it's just like, it, and that was the end of it. And and Ralph never got back to the Final Four with his teams. Uh NC State, his senior year, put him out, and that was NC State's run. And I definitely remember that. That was mm-hmm. the Jimmy Valvano, Valvano team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so incensed at, at them losing, but uh, it was just amazing to me that that, that NC State team could, could run the whole way and, and win. And just playing that Houston team, nobody gave them a prayer. And the Derek Wittenberg shot, which we've all seen a thousand times, which is the greatest pass, non-pass in the history of the NCAA basketball, uh, to uh, – oh, gosh, now I'm forgetting his name – the guy that caught it and dunked it—it'll come to me in a little bit. I know, um, I know the
2: clip, but yeah, I don't
3: know all the guys. Yeah, I can't remember his name, and that guy's been on the tip of my tongue for forever. Anyway, Wittenberg misses a shot. Guy, uh, I think it's Lorenzo Lorenzo Charles grabs the, uh, grabs the. We can look it up. Grabs the, grabs the miss, puts it in, and then Jimmy Valvano runs all over the court. So, so I looking I, for someone to hug, you know, I didn't know yes, to that was a, <laughs> that that was a, was a phenomenal uh, NCAA tournament. So, I mean, obviously, uh, University of Virginia is
2: your big team. Is there any other ones that you really kind of follow close or, you know, really kind of pull for
3: in the tournament? No, it's been Virginia for the most part. I've been uh, really invested in them as a fan. Uh Ever since you know that seventy nine eighty season, uh, I definitely got heavily invested in them, and who stayed that way. And when they, I, I died a little bit when they lost uh, to UNBC. I wasn't going to bring it up.
1: <laughs> Gosh,
2: that was awful. For, for those but who don't you, know, that's the only time in history a sixteen seed has beaten a one seed in the NCAA tournament.
3: Yeah, Virginia has that claim. There have been some that have been close, but that was the one that did it. I remember there was one time Duke was like
2: super duper close. And then, uh, yeah, that's the one everyone, everyone's always rooting for Duke. It's nice to have a bad guy there, you know, in the bracket. So
3: (laughs) I know. So uh, and then the next year they do the improbable, the unbelievable, and and run the table and win the national championship. But what people forget that first game the next year, man, they were really tight against um Gardner Webb, I think is who it was. I might be getting that wrong. Little school out of North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That game was tight the first half, and everybody was getting nervous, like, here we go but again. Not again, not again. Yeah. <laughs> Once they came out of the second half, looked really good. And the other thing about that Virginia team is they really they had some pros on that team uh deandre hunter ty jerome kyle guy they're all in the nba um that was a good team and them winning that national title was just the culmination of a you know 30 40 year odyssey for me as a virginia virginia basketball sports fan the the other one that really sticks out in my memory in terms of uh more recent vintage of an ncaa tournament was VCU's improbable run. And I think it was 2011.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
3: I'm a Richmond boy. I grew up in Richmond. So, I mean, I know VCU quite well and to see VCU in a final four is improbable.
2: Well, that one was, I believe if I'm not mistaken, it was the first year of the the playing games as well. They were in the playing team, which was, which was amazing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they said they had to do an extra one even to make it into the bracket of 64. But, I mean, part of it, you know, it's funny. Like when I fill out my bracket, a lot of times I'll go and pick that 11 or 12 seed that does the playing game because it's kind of like they got a little bit of the nerves out of the way and they're kind of ready to to jump in and could, you know, easily take out a five or six seed, you know. So a lot of times I'll I'll pick those playing winners in, in my bracket.
3: Well, it's not a bad play. I remember VCU made, it was pretty controversial that they were even in the tournament. I mean, people were mad that they grabbed a berth um, and just said they weren't deserving of it. And they came in, they weren't a 16 seed. I'm trying to remember. No, they
2: were they like, were. A, they were
3: an 11 seed. That they year. were an 11. That's right. And, um, but people were still angry that they got the berth. And then obviously they um, <laughs> parlayed that into something greater. Yeah. Just, I still can't believe they made that run. Yeah, there's been some amazing ones. Another Virginia team, I know George
2: Mason, I may mean, made a big run a number of years ago too. Definitely
3: That's, remember that. I mean, it. I think it was the did, Final Four as well, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's the they did. And I'm trying to remember who they lost. They might have lost to UConn in the Final Four, but I, I'm I not 100% you. right on that. But they had, uh, yeah, that was another improbable run. That was Jim Larinaga, who now coaches at the uh, University of Miami and a former UVA assistant coach for basketball in the Ralph Sampson days or thereafter. Another one that sticks out too, Todd, is um, it was either the year after Sampson left or the year, two years after Sampson left, uh, and I think it was a year after Virginia made it to the Final Four, which nobody had that on their radar. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. Um, Othell Wilson, I don't know if people remember him or not, but he was a very good guard, at least in college, and he led that team. And they made it to the final four improbably, um, and went out and lost, but uh, <laughs> still, ma- still made it, which right. was a, yeah, it's a pretty cool run for us Virginia fans. That's nice. That's nice. I'll forget ten different memories once we're done. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so kind of leading into the
2: NCAA tournament is all the conference tournaments. How much do you really follow the? Con- I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're watching the ACC tournament. How much of the other, you know, conference tournaments are you kind of? into kind of leading into the NCAA?
3: Well, I will watch it as, uh, what is it called, uh, Championship Week. Championship um, yeah, I will definitely watch the ACC tournament. I watch some of the Big Ten. I do like some Big Ten basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always liked that. Uh, I watched the Big East because it's a sentimental memory because when the Big East was so good during the Ewing and Chris Mullen years of the oh, yeah. 80s, and that, that league was unbelievably good. And uh, so I will watch some Big East for sentimental value. It it slipped a little bit, but it's starting to come back. I mean, and UConn rejoining the league certainly didn't hurt. So I I definitely will watch some Big East. Um, I didn't know UConn. Oh, because they they split into two conferences a couple of years ago, didn't they? They did. They went into what's called the All-American Conference, and now they're back in the Big East. They just realized they should have never left. Um, so I'll watch that. And then I'll watch some of the, uh, I always watch a little bit of the Missouri Valley conference because their championship game is always in St. Louis and they call it arch madness, which is pretty <laughs> clever, but you, you get, some good mid majors. That's Loyola Chicago's conference. So you get some Creighton's and or Creighton used to be in that conference. Uh, they, they, you get some good matchups with, I just like watching some mid major basketball. Cause okay, so some of those teams can do pretty well in the tournament. And a lot of times those kind of come a lot of those mid majors
2: come before the big championship weekend too. So kind of do. leading it, but into it, you got some other ones there, which is nice. Yeah. It's like totally. this whole next couple of weeks is just, yeah. Ongoing basketball all the time and you know do or die games for so many of these teams, which that's the other thing I kind of like with the, you know, the, 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 the smaller mid major. well, I mean, even mid majors, even smaller ones. It's like, you're only, as you said, like your only chance is to win the conference tournament to make it in, if you don't win, you're not getting that large bid from some of these conferences.
3: You're not, and that that's again, that's how the ACC tournament used to be, and and that's why I like some of those mid major mid major conferences, uh, their tournaments because it's so I mean so pressure packed. That's the only way you're getting in. Um, Iona, who's coached by Rick Pitino, uh, they are everybody's darling in terms of a potential mid major that can make a Cinderella run this year, and they are they have to win their conference tournament though to get in or all is lost. I mean that's a lot of pressure and that's that's a lot of fun to watch so see if they get upset or see if they make it
2: yeah that, that was one of my big uh big things i was disappointed about with you know I, I went to cornell uh you know the ivy league doesn't have a tournament oh at least they didn't do they they still don't right i think that's like the only not one not 100
3: percent on that they didn't used to didn't i mean a lot they of conferences
2: one recently yeah i'm trying to think They might have but that was always a bummer I'm like oh come on like we don't have any chance of making it in you know even you know like I mean you (laughs) can Princeton you know one of them is you know always going to be the favorite but yeah we didn't even have a didn't even have a shot except for one year uh when I was there like just they made a run and then they ran into uh they ran into Kentucky team which was like some you know uh uh it was, jim, it was jim calipari like you know had all these you know ringer freshmen in there and they just took out the
3: took out the Cornell team which was kind of a bummer they but. they did they did uh I do remember that Cornell team though. Uh, they yeah, made it, it to a I'm pretty sure they made it that, to a sweet 16. They
2: made it a Sweet yeah. 16, which is actually in Syracuse. It was driving distance uh, from Ithaca, which was pretty nice. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, the seniors that had just played together. And it was all, that was really all about a team mentality. It wasn't superstars, which is, which is neat. Sometimes some of those teams, you know, if you get the right mix and the right experience together, that those are the teams that can kind of go on those runs unexpectedly.
3: They can. And that's again what makes the tournament the tournament. I mean, I just love when that happens. And then everybody just falls in love with these Cinderella teams. And that to me is the magic of the tournament. And if I may correct myself real quick, Todd, uh, sure. the 81 Final Four for Virginia, Indiana won that tournament. I just oh, looked it okay. up. That was Isaiah Thomas. I, I, I was getting that mixed up. So Indiana won the uh, Final Four that Ralph Sampson actually was a part of. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, so kind of looking forward ahead uh,
2: to this year here. Um, yeah. Kind of looking at the uh, the ACC standings. I kind of see Virginia seems to be a little bit on the bubble there this year, huh?
3: I think their bubble burst. Uh, they were they were really coming on. Uh, they they had beaten Providence early in the year. Providence has been a top ten team, still are. Mm-hmm. So that was a good win. They, uh, then they beat Duke at Duke, which is wow. I still can't can't believe that happened. That was two or three weeks ago. They were really coming on, but they got some bad losses. They got they lost to Navy, they lost to James Madison University, which is my alma mater. But no way they should be losing to JMU. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was at the beginning of the year, and then their third really bad loss that they just experienced was to Florida State. And this is a Florida State team that has been decimated by injuries and only had one starter uh in the lineup uh who was going that particular night that was last Saturday that probably burst their bubble i think they're going to have to win the acc tournament outright which Oof. ain't looking too probable uh for this no. this particular this particular virginia teams a down it's a kind of a down year so um, oh well, I, I've still got a national title in the last three or four years, so I can. Yeah, yeah you got, hang you, got on to get, you got
2: like five years that you really can't complain too much after you get the no. title, you
3: know. So. No, I, I'm good to go. But uh, I was, I, it's still a lot more fun for me when they're in. But uh, they're not going to make it. they just got too many bad losses. Uh, even though I think they are, I think they're a quote unquote tournament team, and that they are good enough. Okay. But the losses are going to hurt. Okay.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see. I'm looking at uh, ESPN right now with the their bracketology, which is always pretty good. They have ACC as five teams they expect to make it in, which uh, I think right now Virginia is sitting like six or seven. So yeah, I
3: don't. Yeah, they they would have to at the very least get to the tournament final. I think they'd have to win it and steal a bid. But um, we'll see. I, I do think in the ACC, and um, I think it's a down year and the best team in the league is duke and i am not sold on duke this year so if, if you guys are filling out brackets i don't know i mean they could run the table they could we could play this back in a month or so and i look like an idiot which is not hard to do but uh duke to me is a team of mcdonald's all americans is just, just not firing on all cylinders it's just the, the lack the games i've seen they lack passion and a real kind of cohesiveness it's a bunch of guys doing a lot more one on one versus uh a really uh nice flowing offense, so I'm not real sold on them this year, but they're the best of the league
2: well yeah, yeah I mean they'll definitely be in there they'll definitely be most likely a you know two one or two seed depending on how oh, I think day. so, yeah, I you know. think so, but yeah, they've been known to lose many you know second round matchups uh in their days, so we'll we'll see how that does. Uh, let's see. It looks like the other kind of top teams this year, we got, uh, uh, let's see Gonzaga. Number one seems like overall, I mean, that that team has just been, towards the top of the rankings the last couple of years. Yeah, but
3: they kill me every year. I pick them deep. I picked them to win the national title last year. They stuck it to me again. And I just, <laughs> I, I am, I am tired of picking Gonzaga. I'm Catholic. I pick Gonzaga. They disappoint me every time. <laughs> so I just can't do it anymore, but they are, you know, they're going to be a one seed and they're going to have every shot at the, every, I mean, a very good shot at the title.
2: Yeah. Let's see. We got uh, Kansas, Arizona, Baylor, these seem like some of the most of the other top ones. Any one of these that really kind of stick out to you
3: or anything besides those top ones? I'm going to go – my team that I really like, if I'm, if I'm looking at the eye test, is, is Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not – they're probably not going to be a one seed uh, unless they you know do, do really well in the SEC tournament and or win it. But the talent on that team it's a good mix. It's not a typical Calipari team of uh, – a bunch of one and duns. this he's got some upperclassmen and he's got an wow, absolutely. he's got upperclassmen finally he does he wow. does indeed it's a different scheme for him he's working that transfer portal and getting kids in that are ah okay older and it's paying off and he's uh he's got the beast in the middle oscar and i'm gonna butcher his last name i think it's Shibway. Guys averaging 15.3 boards a game, rebounds. I mean, you haven't seen a guy in college rebound like that. I mean, he's like a little Dennis Rodman figure in there. Just grabs every board known to man. Good scorer. You've got Ty Ty Washington, who's good uh, in the backcourt. You've got uh, Severe Wheeler, who's uh, the point guard for that team. Those three alone, I think that's a pretty good mix. They play in a very tough conference. Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know why I'm saying this or why I'm feeling it, but I'm I'm feeling Kentucky. Uh, Kansas is another team that always disappoints for me. Um, They do make finals fours occasionally. They have won a national title, but they more often than not seem to disappoint me, so I'm not sold on them. I should probably give Baylor more love uh, coming off the national championship, but I'm not real sold on them either, but... Kentucky, Kentucky and Auburn to a lesser degree. I just think that I think that top part of the SEC, they're just killing each other every night. It is so loaded with talent and NBA talent that um, I think Auburn could make a deep run too. But well, I'm I'm leaning Kentucky. I may change my mind by the time the brackets are filled out.
2: You have to see who are, you know, where they're
3: playing. But, yeah, they're playing seats, Kansas, yeah. So. That all comes into play. I mean, this is, it's kind of a crapshoot right now. When you are filling in your bracket, is the location
2: of the game ever factor into any of the picks you make?
3: Sometimes, sure. Um, sometimes, uh, uh, how many times has Duke been able to play down in Carolina? Of course, I, I mean every yeah. single every <laughs>
2: single year they play in
3: North Carolina. Come on, I know. I mean, that's the that's the benefit of getting that number one seed is yeah, basically the they
2: always host the first round one, too. Yeah. At least one one city somewhere in North Carolina, whether it's you know Charlotte or Raleigh or wherever. Yeah there's so much passion for, for the game down there that, yeah, they're, they're,
3: they're always going to get a shot at that. I, that plays into it for me, Todd. I mean, I, I look at that, but um, the, the things that that really play into me is how, how many pros do they have on the team? Cause I mean, that, that, that does matter obviously. And then um, I, there's just, sometimes you just go with your gut and how a team's been playing at the end of the year. Are they, uh, you know, on a streak of wins that towards the end of the year, how did they do in the tournament? They just mail it in, or are they really peaking right now? So, I mean, all that comes into play too. And I, I can't, I don't, I, I don't keep up with college basketball as much as I used to. I used to be just totally immersed in it, but I'm still a pretty big fan, but so I've got a, a decent idea. Certainly the top contenders by the time the tournament rolls around that I can make, reasonably educated picks but then you know the nc tournament being what it ncaa tournament being what it is you're almost better off not knowing a darn thing <laughs> just, 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 <laughs> hey i knew somebody went to that school and that's that's. i mean it doesn't matter often <laughs> often it works
2: yeah and i find myself going with a lot of like you know different i have a couple of different stats i look at like ah that sounds about right there but i don't know it's it's yeah there's so much luck that happens with a lot of these ones too. It's you know, you never know what, you know, it's something's gonna bounce the right way, you know, for some team to to make it and you know, some big favorite's gonna get knocked out. But that that's that's the best part of it is like the unpredictability of, of so much of this.
3: Totally. I mean, that's what makes the tournament the tournament. That's why it's just pure magic to me and why I'm glued for by the end of that first weekend, I got my eyeballs are doing basketballs are <laughs> just going up and down. It's just, God, how much basketball can you possibly watch? Well, apparently a lot because I'm I'm glued to it.
2: And last year they changed around the schedule a little bit. I think they they, they didn't have it start in the traditional Thursday. You know? It didn't,
3: and I, I guess that was. And I can't remember why. I, I think it had something to do with the pods and the pandemic, but I, I I don't remember why that happened. It started yeah. Friday.
2: Sorry for you. Yeah, I was went to Friday to Monday, I remember, yeah. instead, which was a little different there. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's going, it's going back to traditional schedule this year or not. I haven't looked at that yet. But
3: I want to say it is. Uh, if it's not, I'll adjust my vacation. But I, I want to say, <laughs> I, I say that it is, but I'll, I'm not for sure on that either.
2: Now, uh, is your favorite weekend to watch the, the first weekend or is it the second weekend when you get to the, the, uh, kind of the, the, the bracket, the uh, regional championships there?
3: I, I like them both for different reasons. The first weekend is all about the mid-majors, the smaller schools, the Cinderella stories. Uh, cause a lot of them by the second weekend, if they make it very rarely, do they really go much deeper than the round of, um, third, or round of sweet 16. Yeah. Um, so I, I like them for different reasons. You get the great stories the first weekend. You get the heavyweight fights the second weekend. And uh, and that's, I mean, it, some of the greatest games have come out of that second weekend oh. leading up to the regional. I mean, just unbelievable games, regional game re- leading up to the regional championship. So I like them. I would say I like them equally. With, Let me back up. I'll give a slight nod to that first weekend because that's that's where the Cinderella memories are made, and I'm a sucker for those stories. But they're both awesome for different reasons. No, I completely agree there. I mean, yeah, some of those, yeah, just the
2: second weekend, it's like, you know, you've been so used to seeing so much basketball all the time, and then it's like, okay, this Saturday and Sunday, there's two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. It's like, that's it? That's all I got there? But they're usually yep. absolutely fantastic uh, games yeah. there for sure. Uh, so any other kind of parting thoughts here just on the NCAA tournament or anything that people should
3: look out for, uh, this year or, well, um, I got two parting shots, both about basketball. I, one sure. one is more related to the NCAA and I'll, I'll just put those out there the night we're recording this it's March, it's March 2nd. This is the 60th anniversary of the night. Wilt Chamberlain scored hundred points in a single game. Oh, wow. And to give some perspective on that and how kind of minor league the NBA was at that particular time, (laughs) they played the game. He played for the Philadelphia Warriors, which eventually became the Golden State Warriors. Uh, And then another team moved into Philadelphia to become the 76ers after that. But the Warriors were the first team in Philadelphia until they went out west. But um, they played the game not in Philadelphia, but oh, yeah. in Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yep, <laughs>
2: there's
3: like a plaque there and everything. I've been by there before to see it. Oh, yeah? you have? That's no, awesome, dude. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to make a pilgrimage to see that. And not a single member of the quote-unquote televised press was even there to cover it. That's I mean, it, wow, it's ridiculous. And uh, and he, the guy scored 100 points. I mean, Wilt was a physical marvel. But you have to wonder, he's playing. The, I think he was playing the Knicks. What kind of defense were they playing? Well, I think at guy? the
2: end, they were just like, oh, yeah, go ahead, score another one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah.
3: A matador defense, not in a matador of M 3 matador defense, uh, where they just let him just Olay and go right past him. So, um, it it is still an incredible feat. Kobe got into the eighties. In yeah. yeah, he had to work for
2: that one. I think a little he harder did. than <laughs>
3: yeah. he did. I don't think Wilt was working too hard at the end, but it's still a remarkable feat. And you know, nobody's hit a hundred since. The other thing I would just recommend if you're interested in basketball or just a casual fan and want to know more. There's a great documentary that's on right now on the ACC network, the collaboration ACC has with ESPN called the tournament. And it's all about the the history of the ACC tournament. If you don't get the ACC network, and some of you are in regions where you're certainly not gonna get this, um, I, I would seek it out still, find some way to stream it, find some way to download it, find some way to view it later uh, it's at least 10 episodes long. It starts in the 50s with Everett Case, who's the coach of NC State, legendary coach. He creates the tournament uh, with the whole concept being uh, that the team that wins the tournament goes to the NCAAs and doesn't matter who the regular season champion was. And it traces his history all the way to the present day. And just the the incredible basketball and the incredible players that have come through the ACC it will really give you a taste for – Yes, I'm biased, but I definitely think it's the greatest uh, conference in college basketball, even even now with it being a down year. It's just so much tradition and so much heritage. If you like sports history, it's worth watching. So I just wanted to, to leave that with folks and enjoy the NCAA tournament. It's for what it is. Uh, you don't have to love basketball to enjoy it. Um, just watching a bunch of 18 to 22-year-old kids give their all for their schools and uh, put puts so so much emotion into the games. It's it's a cool thing to watch. Very cool. Well,
2: as I got definitely got to check out that documentary. Any any documentary about awesome. the tournament? You know, I got to watch it. So
3: it uh, it is awesome. If 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 you like, you know, what they did with Michael Jordan and other treatments they've done with the various thirty for thirties, this is right up there. Oh, yeah, no, there's
2: there's yeah, they do a good job there. So and right, I'll definitely go check that one out. So
3: well, thank you so
2: much for uh, joining us, Stu, and uh, giving us a little. A little history there and a little something to look forward to this year. Uh, I know I'll, uh, be watching a little bit more keenly, I think this year than I have the past couple of years, uh, thanks to you. So thank you very much, Stu.
3: Thank you, Todd. my pleasure.
0: That's awesome. Uh, I'm so glad that Stu got to, to, join us for that. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I've said this before, not a huge basketball guy. Um, uh, but in, in the past when I have paid attention to basketball, it's been college basketball. Um, but that said, listening to Stu talk about basketball, listening to Stu and Tim talk about basketball over at Uncharted Territory has been a lot of fun. And it's kind of like piqued my interest, especially just about the history of the sport and wanting to maybe, you know, read a little bit about it and some of the books that they've mentioned. Uh, so it's always cool to to be able to learn a little bit more and certainly, you know, prepare myself for the madness that starts yes. up in about five days. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I might, I might watch a little bit. I mean, my father-in-law, you know, is huge. He went to Duke. So, you know, I mean, uh, for him, he's like, one of those guys. Yeah, he's oh, one of those guys. Wow, uh, and, wow. uh, um, but my wife went to Butler university in Indianapolis. And of course, Butler had that beautiful Cinderella story. Uh, and uh, unfortunately they've not performed very well the past few years, but um,
2: once upon a yeah, time, the one nice run. So that's, that's good. Right, yeah.
0: exactly, but it was, it was
2: great to, to catch up with the, with Stu there and yeah i think i'm a little more energized for the tournament than you know i have been in the past couple years david definitely gave me a couple things to, to look out for and uh yeah i'll fill out a bracket i'll probably lose poorly but you know oh, uh, uh yeah.
1: within probably watch it a little pick, bit more. Pick, pick the team names you like todd yeah. <laughs> You'll I, you know, do the funny better. thing
0: is like, I, uh, you know, I lived in North Carolina when I got into, um, basketball, like college basketball. And it was, you know, for me, I was always a fan of UNC. Like that was, you know, my team over like Duke obviously, which is not, not great. Uh, it, you know, talking about my, my father-in-law, but, but that's just the way it was. So, uh, um, my dad was an IU guy, um, because he liked Bobby Knight, take that as you will. Uh, and, uh, 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 yeah, so I, I got lucky a few times with the bracket because obviously you know UNC has has done has done well in that tournament on occasion, but uh, it'll be it'll be exciting to to see. And I know that obviously there are a lot of fans of the game that will be following along. I'm sure we'll see some messages on the boards about it and stuff. So, um, I, like I said, I might pay a little bit more attention this year. I've had a nice primer uh, thanks to you and Stu. Um, what else? What else is that? It are we? Are we ready? Are we? I mean, I think that's plenty. I, you know, We've had a gargantuan episode. We've uh, had a yeah, little I, show here. Yeah. Yeah, thing, I think it's. Well,
1: go ahead, Sam. Go ahead. I'll,
0: I'll just throw this out here uh, briefly. That one of the reasons why it's been such a busy week for me uh, is that uh, this is like my third podcast in the past week because uh, not only. W- you know, am I doing this? But, uh, Fates Wide Wheel, the Quantum Leap podcast that uh, I'm co-host of, uh, and started about five years ago. Things have been picking up again because they're premiering a, a new pilot, a, a sequel show series, uh, in the fall. And they've done some casting announcements, uh, lots of exciting news. And, and we have an inside source. And one of the things that we officially announced on our last episode is that we were given a copy of the script to the pilot. So, uh, kind of a big deal. And, uh, it's been, it's been cool. And we've, you know, we've actually, Exchanged a couple of messages with the creative team, um, and uh, it's exciting to, to see to see what might happen. Uh, in addition to to all of that, uh, I recorded this a while back. Uh, but if if you haven't heard enough of me, I was actually on the latest Wrestler Weekly uh, episode, which was a heck of a lot of fun, just talking about you know what got me into wrestling and you know what I love about wrestling. It was a really fun conversation with Mike, so uh, I would certainly urge you to, to check that out. Not our Mike, different Mike, uh, and um, it was a lot of fun uh, doing that. So check out Wrestler. Weekly podcast, uh, their latest episode. Uh, and then on top of all of that, uh, I submitted a few uh, self tapes recently for some auditions and I booked a gig um, just a couple of days ago. So things are moving again. You know, things are opening back up. Theaters are, you know, putting shows back on. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited to kind of be back in the swing of things because for a while I wasn't, I was, you know, doing the nine to five thing and all that jazz. And, and, and now I'm not. And so, um, you know, after kind of talking some things over with my wife and everything, it was like, yeah, it's time get back in it. So, so, did that, and uh, it's been busy. And of course, in addition to that, I'm I'm home all day with a three year old and a four month old, which is a hell of a lot of fun. But God, it's exhausting sometimes. Uh, so, so that's that's my current my current uh, state of affairs. And uh, I thought I'd just kind of um, let everybody have a, a peek in to what life for Sam is like right now.
2: <laughs> yep. I did see the cast, the kid, big, uh, the main character uh, being cast and announced that this past week, which is which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and then today they announced Ernie Hudson, uh, you know, from Ghostbusters, The Crow, yeah. sort of things is going to play uh, the kind of the legacy character on the show, if you will. Uh, he plays a character by the name of Herbert Magic Williams, and that's a character that Sam actually leapt into in the original series when he, uh, spoiler alert, saved his brother from dying in Vietnam. And so Magic is going to be played by Ernie Hudson, uh, which is, which is really cool. And I was like, man, yeah, bring, bring, bring on Ernie Hudson. That's awesome. So, uh, it's great. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's been a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, again, if you haven't heard enough of me, uh, you can check out Fates Wide Wheel, uh, as well, wherever you, wherever we you get your podcasts. Um, and our, our latest episodes we've tried to keep under an hour, which is novel, obviously coming from this podcast. But, uh, uh if you go back and you find some of the early ones, you'll certainly find some two hour plus, uh, episodes as well. Well, but um, yeah, uh, uh, busy, busy, but but enjoying it, enjoying it. Looking forward to maybe having a little downtime this weekend, though. <laughs> and it's only Tuesday. Very
2: cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think from Head Federation Headquarters. Um, other than that, uh, you know, we got the more teasers coming out. Another cool Legends One Legends Prime teaser
0: coming out oh. this Friday, which will be fun. All the speculation that has taken place on the boards will finally, you know, be met with reality. Yeah.
2: We're completing up prime week with, uh, you know, three different announcements for all the different lines there. So, uh, you know, all the pre-orders are up. Definitely get your pre-orders in for everything. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we have a little bit better sense of the mailing date. We'll let everybody know about that. And then also, I think by the time we're around next week, we'll have uh uh, some more details on the next virtual con, as well as maybe a little bit more of a, a,
0: a Galacticon update too. Awesome. All right. Well, Mike, you got anything else?
1: No, I think I think we've covered quite a bit tonight. I'll just say good night to our friends on the Baltic.
0: All right, Tournament Master. Anything else from you?
2: No, just uh, enjoy March Madness, if that's your thing. And hopefully you got a little bit of insight of things to look out for uh, for this tournament from Stu. Uh, And uh, when you fill out your brackets, think of the tournament master
0: excellent all right well uh fight fans promoters thank you guys so very much uh, as always for hitting that download button and listening make sure you leave us a review like subscribe all that jazz uh more ears that are on this podcast the better it is for all of us because it means that maybe we can do more stuff in the future take care of yourselves take care of one another stay safe out there um and we will be back next week with a brand new episode i have no idea what we're going to be talking about but todd oh i know exactly what we're going to talk about
2: we're gonna be we're gonna have uh, Mr uh, Mr. Vegas uh, Zeke Gould on to talk in these tag teams with us next week.
1: Flipping Is there gonna be, be a tournament?
2: There's not gonna be a tournament. We're gonna like take a little reprieve from the tournament. I'm sorry. Oh
1: man. Uh, you gotta come up with at least a mini tournament. Right. Yeah, we could figure out something. Yeah,
0: just just pit four tag teams against one another, see what happens. All right I think we can all right, cool that. Uh <laughs> booking on the fly, booking on the fly. All right, we're out of here. Thank you so much for your time. We know this has been a long one. every once in a while we'll you know we'll release a super sized episode, and this definitely fits the bill. so uh much like Wrestlemania Four, uh it takes two v h s to contain all of the madness in this episode <laughs> of Roll up. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Good night.